Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash watch out for fireballs. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Audible. Noisy Sparrow, come in. This is Lead Eagle. Any sign of Armitage? Over. No, no, nothing yet. Man, this dumpster reeks. Over. Dumpster? Didn't you get word from the boss? We're on rooftops now. Hide in plain sight. Over. Boss? What boss? Rustaletto HQ is a freaking bloodbath. Over. We don't report to them anymore. We get orders straight from some vampire. Over. Darkblade? That clown's in charge? Over. No, he answers to the clown. Over. How does a clown have enough money to hire every assassin and thug in Seattle? Over. Uh, wait, wait. False alarm. No, no, no. The clown answers to the dragon. Didn't you get the org chart? Over. The copier was out of toner. Oh shit, it's Armitage! Oh, oh, Eagle, I'm hit. I repeat, I'm hit, and I've got garbage juice in my wounds. I'm attempting to make a bandage out of a banana, out of a banana peel. Over. God damn it, Sparrow! Are you gonna make me leave my post? I don't even know who to take you to. Now let me get out the org chart. Huh? Our HQ is in a volcano now. Eagle, it's getting dark. It's getting dark. Well. If I'm going to abandon my post to take a wounded comrade to see an angry dragon in a volcano, I better make sure to watch out for wool. Just about lost my balance there. I better make sure to... If you don't normally stick around for the ending stuff, this might be a good week to do so because we have some pretty big announcements in that section. So just a heads up so you don't miss out. Thanks. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. You're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. This is a retro video games podcast. And this week we are talking about Shadowrun which is an action role-playing game released on the Super Nintendo in 1993. It was developed by Beam Software and published in North America by Data East. And uh, this game is played from an isometric perspective as you guide the main character, Jake Armitage, around the city of Seattle. Uh, combat and navigation play out like an action RPG, but you select your targets with a cursor in a way that you wouldn't in an action RPG. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really, I mean, we call it an action role-playing game, and it is a really hard game to pin down genre-wise. Yeah. It's very strange. Um, on top of those genres, it's also a point-and-click adventure game, since you're collecting <laughs> items and solving puzzles and uh, talking to NPCs to get information, um, a la, like a keyword system a la Gabriel Knight. Yes, yes. Um, most of the keywords don't do any good. Um, but, <laughs> nope. You know. <laughs> but anyway, Shadowrun, it had a really troubled development process. Uh, there's tons of stuff about this on the internet. But uh, it progressed in fits and starts between 1989 um, and its release. Um, its lead designer, Paul Kidd, uh, previously worked on an NES game called uh, Nightshade. And many elements uh, from that title found their way into this one. Have you read about Nightshade at all? 
Nightshade is one of those, I was going to bring this up, it's one of those uh, games I perpetually saw in Nintendo Power but never actually saw like a physical copy of. And I always thought it looked really badass. Like, yeah. I just like really, really cool. It's really noirish, and mm-hmm. uh, and and there are all these like menus and stuff, which is definitely my speed as a <laughs> Nintendo kid. I never actually got my hands on it. I've never played it. I'm curious about it, but just based on the things that I read about the way that they handle death, you know, et cetera, and on down the line. But anyway, um, despite how long the pre-production was, uh, the version uh, that made its way to stores and the version that we played was actually developed over the course of like five and a half months. Uh, due to Data East mismanagement of the project. Classic Data East. <laughs> um, despite the short timeline, uh, Beam actually made two versions of the game. One which referred to the more guys as chop shop guys, and it featured kind of a darker, more violent and sexually suggestive script. There was more humor in it. And uh, gave. And then there was also the script that we saw and gave Data East the choice. And they went with the tamer one, uh, much to Beam and my chagrin. Yeah, I l- <laughs> The the only piece of data that I have about the uh, about the chop shop version is that Kitsune like comes on to you, and that's right, the, yeah. right. And she still she still kind of does, but it's yeah. you know it's not a it's more veiled. You can't get off to it. She talks about how she might have a knot in her tail, and that's a mm. yeah. There's a DVNR page about that. There's a yeah, there's yeah. a whole tag. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's replace yeah. and how on this show with a yif yif. Yeah, um, yeah, yif yif. Um, so anyway, <laughs> the game was a commercial failure, but uh, critics liked it, and it's gotten a lot of recognition in uh, recent years for being pretty ahead of its time uh, for a console game. It has a companion game in Shadowrun for the Sega Genesis, uh, which we covered in episode seven of this esteemed program. Mm-hmm. Yep, and. Uh, the story for this is based on a Shadowrun novel, uh, Never Deal with a Dragon, which I have actually fucking read. And, <laughs> and, uh, it's very vaguely based on it. And uh, don't don't read novels based on uh, tabletop role playing games. Um, but I was young and stupid. You um, know. Interest, yeah, interestingly, there's also kind of a, a Kickstarter funded project called Shadowrun Returns, which I, I would encourage everyone who's uh, listening yeah. to this to support and uh, check out. I guess it's too late to support it, but um, mm-hmm. I'm on board. And it ties up the plots of both this game and the Genesis version um, mm-hmm. and ties them together, which is really strange <laughs> and also sounds like a really badass uh, game in its own right. I saw the the guy who created Shadowrun and who's funding or starting up this Kickstarter do kind of like a backers only, like almost like a shareholders conference of PAX mm-hmm. where he showed us the progress and answered questions and stuff. And that was uh, that was a real blast and was really encouraging. A lot of times with these Kickstarters, like I'm 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 in on a lot of Kickstarters right now. <laughs> and because uh, it's kind of a, a golden age for classic CRPGs in in that way. And uh, it was really cool to see, you know, my money didn't just go into kind of a pit. <laughs> like I got to see what they were doing with it and have them like answer questions and stuff, which was really rad. They didn't run off to Belize and murder a guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, if if you would like to hear our thoughts about the Genesis version of this game um, and why it's ridiculous that these two games would be tied together in any form or fashion, uh, you can go back and listen to that previous episode of the show. The the things they have in common, like there are a lot of things in common, but there are these weird ephemeral meta meta things. Yeah, like they're both really odd genre mashups. They're both very uh, PC focused for a console game. They're Mm -hmm. both like pretty innovative, but in totally different ways. Yeah. 
Um, so it just there's something about Shadowrun, you know, that just uh, where the the reach really exceeds the grasp <laughs> with, the, with these games. Until the Xbox version, which like the, the reach was like like reaching for something that's already in your hand. Exactly. You know? <laughs> it was looking for your pencil when it was right behind your. It was behind yeah, your. Ex- the whole exactly. Time. <laughs> and still missed. Yeah. And still couldn't find just it. It's like reaching for the, the pencil. Yeah, exactly. Reaching for the pencil behind your ear and stabbing yourself with it. <laughs> An accident. In the Fucking ear. Genesis Shadow or uh, Xbox Shadowrun, man. <laughs> It's, it's been, been a, a year. It's been a year it's since been we... a while, old friend. Since I've <laughs> been able to talk shit about you. Shut up. Anywho, but th- this game, let's talk about the the plot. Of this, uh, why don't you get us get us started with that? Yes, yes. Is it fair to say that this game is the Big Lebowski, except with people shooting at you instead of pissing on your rug? <laughs> very, very, very similar. Very yeah. similar. <laughs> and that they are both noir-ish. So the game opens with the main character, uh, Jake Armitage, uh, being gunned down in the street. He is revived by a fox lady, and he wakes up in a morgue with amnesia. Uh, after he escapes his death, he finds the streets of 2050 Seattle crawling with assassins that are gunning for him, uh, trailing the one person who seems to be friendly. He finds himself in an alley with a talking dog. This dog is his spirit guide who gives him a warning that he is in great danger. Mm-hmm. And and when we say uh, Seattle 2050 Seattle is crawling with assassins, <laughs> like it is literally it is one of the most absurd elements of this game in a game full of absurd elements. But it is literally everywhere you could stick an assassin, there is an assassin. Um, what follows is kind of a shaggy dog story as you follow clues to find out who you are, find out about this dog totem, and find out about uh, who wanted you dead. You track down old bosses and crime lords and mythical creatures. And this uh, kind of jester spirit thing, which I, when we did the Genesis version, I think I said that Harlequin appeared in both games. And this is what I was thinking of, but it's not um, actually Harlequin. Yeah. Uh, in order to kind of track down your ultimate origins and your, your final answer in the end of the game. And at the end of the game, you know, you take out this, you know, corporate mastermind named Aneki, uh, who has developed an AI computer that will completely dominate uh, the Matrix. Uh, Jake was actually a courier who was loaded up with anti-AI software and sent on a mission to destroy this uh, computer. Uh, he blows up this machine and, uh, you know, Aneki's tower, they all blow up while Jake pilots a helicopter into the distance. And there's yeah. there's some like mumbo jumbo about how he is a shaman and technology has been thrust upon him something or other yeah sort of like uh <laughs> there's a little bit of that this game um really eschews a lot of the the pen and paper mechanics not least of which because you you are more or less forced to play a jack of all trades in this right. like you are not going to do well without a lot of cyberware and a lot of magic and those two things that was kind of the the choice you made in the in the pen and paper game and the sega genesis version but in this one you kind of have to do it all to stand a chance yeah, it's like it's a zero sum game for for every for every piece of cyberware that you install, it reduces your humanity or something. What's the stat that yeah, it gets rid essence. of? Essence. Essence. Yeah. Yeah, and your your magic stat is tied to your essence, so your magic can't go higher than your essence. Yeah. So uh, in the Sega version, you really have to kind of choose how you're going to tackle problems, and this one you do as well, but you just kind of have all tools available to you. Yeah. Um, as soon as you can buy them or unlock them. And it's and it's funny because because like it's it, you're going to get everything eventually. It's just a matter of what order you decide to get it in. Right. Right. So and 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 
it's it's mandate and I said this before, but it really bears uh, repeating is that it's mandatory really to get everything because this game is really hard in a way that you know no amount of finesse will really get you through situations. So if you're not upgrading yourself up to the top of the pops and everything, like you're probably not going to to make it in right. the end. Like this game is is really hard, and I'm not. It's not like I'm averse to challenging games. Like I, I'm, I'm on the record as saying my favorite game of 2012 was Dark Souls. But it's like so. This game is just is more, you know, even less fair than that. Uh, see, um, see how it feels. Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, no, it's 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 hard, and you know that this kind of gets us into into the beginning of the game really because you know it dumps you into the street and the first screen i think there are like three or four perches where people can just like shoot at you uh, you start out more first oh yeah i guess you do which is a real um seminal so this is one of the things i i'll probably bring him up a couple times during this but one of my you know all-time best friends uh, my friend derek um he and i both played this game a lot when we were younger and it you know we a lot of jokes and stuff we make about it and one of the things we we joked about frequently was the very first thing that happened to this like these two uh morticians put you into a slab and put you into like a i don't know what you call that like a a body holder yeah a body yes a, bo- a body holder, yeah, a body holder <laughs> they, they put you into a human container to go into a soil bed with a, yeah, <laughs> with a namestone on top of it so people can come and put plant genitals on it so, yeah, <laughs> so um, it's, a, it's a drawer they put you into a body drawer yeah a body drawer and the uh but you you the drawer opens and you immediately do this front flip <laughs> into, into standing up and shaking with your head like oh, you, you put d- both hands on your head and go brain feel burn and all in one motion and it's really hilarious he pulls a he pulls a Merrill. yeah 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 exactly exactly yeah exactly and uh, I, I like this little bit in the in the the morgue where you're like picking it you pick up a couple items that you yeah. need and then when you come out you know the 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 morticians freak the fuck out and go hide in a closet yeah i, I like the morticians they're 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 a startling startlingly persistent aspect of the game um <laughs> you encounter them uh, multiple times and when you die they come and pick you up again yeah um yeah. it's they're yeah. almost like a like a greek chorus or something they're just always there they, right? they, they're the last scene in the game as well yes they're like yeah the, uh, the last uh during the ending mm-hmm. when you're kind of doing your link to the past ask revisiting all your your major companions yeah that you run to the, the mortician morticians last i could see um, them being played by by the uh by, by like the late 90s uh like wilson brothers luke hmm. and owen you know just kind of goofing around you know like yeah. like post bottle rocket pre royal tenenbaums kind of thing then let's start a kickstarter for a yep. movie based on the snes versus <laughs> shadow yeah but the, what, like the next when you when you go out onto the street um you're given very little kind of direction like a guy runs up to you um like i i think he might be a heavy dude and uh, he's just like, hey, watch yourself. There are uh, hitmen everywhere for mm-hmm. you. And you just kind of have to intuit that you're supposed to follow this guy. Right, right. And, and like this is going to be – it's going to be interesting talking to Cole about this when we play the, through the game because some of these games I've played a thousand times as a youth. So the kind of the sequence um, is more or less ingrained in my memory. And certain mm-hmm. things that I just find intuitive because I have them memorized, uh, I'm curious to see how they come off to, to a neophyte. 
Yeah, I I pretty much gathered that I should follow him. Um, it seemed it seemed like one of the obvious ways to go, um, as opposed to just kind of like wandering around. He was obviously helpful. So, um, having been trained by the opening scene to know that this is an adventure game, um, they probably I knew that they probably put him there for a reason. And since he was talking about a gun, and he mm. was running away from something, I would probably think like, oh, he's probably being chased. I better go after him. That was mm. my rationale for following him into that alley. So that didn't bug me so much as like the, the later parts of this chapter. Um, you, you follow him down to the alley and he immediately gets gunned down. And I don't know if it's because he helped you or, or why, <laughs> but uh, you're able to loot a leather jacket and a, a pistol off of him that you're going to use for a while. Like this is kind of your bread and butter weapon yeah. for, for quite a bit and shoot down a, uh, an assassin. This is where you first meet dog and dog is your, your kind of spirit animal. Who we will he will we will refer to him as Poochie for the rest of the game. Yeah, Poochie the Rocking Dog, uh, <laughs> up until he returns to his home planet at the end of the game. But he uh, died on the way to his planet. Yes, <laughs> and that's why he's a spirit. But um, yeah. so I forget exactly what Dog says to you. Man, his sprite. A lot of the sprite portraits in this game, when you're when you're in the dialogue, they're pretty mm-hmm. scary. But Dog's it doesn't make him look like a uh, a friendly, benevolent force in the universe. He's kind. He's kind of weirdly not. Um, he's. <laughs> I mean, he's he's real tough love with you at best throughout the game. Um, it's weird that you're so in, in the pen and paper version, um, you choose like a totem animal and it kind of affects your stats more than anything. Like there's really not this uh, and you can there can be like kind of a guiding spirit and stuff. But it's way more important in this than it ever is in the pen and paper game. Right. Like if you if you chose to be dog, like you'd have a plus two on healing spells and a minus two on manipulation spells. And that'd be it. Yeah. It's like picking your deity in, uh, in, in D&D, right? Right, right. It's it's very similar to that. Whereas this, it takes this huge plot importance, um, yeah. which I can't remember if that's true from the novel. So so he tells you your kind of thing, and then you're really just kind of pl- plopped out into the world. Like it's it's hard to call it an open world game because you have to do everything in a very prescribed order. Mm-hmm. But you really need to explore to figure out what that order is and figure out what you need to do. Yeah, it's it's open world in that they don't hold on to your hand and take you to the next place that you need to go. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, groping bingo card around mm-hmm. to, to 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 find the next flag the, the next event flag to hit and like right. the like the biggest thing that you're looking for but you don't know you're looking for it is mm-hmm. your apartment so you can actually save and level up and heal and all of that yeah the, it's crazy important and up until that point you just have this you start out very weak you have a very limited amount of hit points and every single screen you go into like zero to three assassins pop out of windows and flower beds and on rooftops to take pot shots at you. Yeah. And at this point, your skills are so low and you have no way to improve them. So if you if you stop and take them out, they, they respawn. So there's really no, you know, impetus to, to stop and take them out. Like, you're just kind of mad dashing through town. Yeah. This lawless, <laughs> you know, town controlled by gang violence in which nobody bats an eye. Like, there's a lot of uh, non-essential NPCs in this first area and that kind of dries up. Mm. a little bit later but uh who just kind of have some flavor text and they don't care at all like you can be walking along some guy just sticks a gun barrel out of a window and starts firing at you <laughs> and then there's this this guy who's dressed like a cop if you talk to him and see his portrait offering to sell you a copy of neo ludite magazine mm-hmm. um or you know d- newsletter or whatever the hell it is it's really strange um and i can't remember how in game you actually find your apartment i just happen to know where it's at yeah so like as you're as you're going around the majority of the uh buildings that you can go into they either have offices that are full of uh heavy dudes or mages uh, mages def- which cast no spells 
Well, there's guys in white suits. Yes. At this point. They're very snappy dressers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, uh, but, uh, one of them actually has a, uh, has an office that has what, what appears to be a dead guy in it. I think that because of Nintendo's whole censorship thing, they had to say, oh, he's injured, but he's not moving and he doesn't mind when you raid his body. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, uh, you pull out, you, you pull out, you find a key. Cole makes has- another ghastly, uh, <laughs> Ghastly double entendre, <laughs> like euphemism. Um, he doesn't mind when you read his body. Yes, yeah, when, um, when you when you loot him, I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> um, you find a key that has a number six on it, and then you then you find an apartment building that has number doors, and like, oh, okay. And like one of the notes that you find in the game, um, it has uh, it has like your name on it, so you can put two and two together. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that that that's how you get to your apartment. Um, your apartment's really important because it gives you access to a bed, which is how you're going to improve your stats. Um, it's how you're going to save your game if you're not playing on an emulator. And uh, it's also where you find your sunglasses, where you stop looking like such a weirdo monster in your <laughs> status screen. <laughs> like, you look so weird without your sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really important to put those on. And I don't think they have an in-game effect at all. Oh, no, they do, because it, they help disguise you from the, the morticians. Yes, when you go back there to get the uh, to get the tickets. Yep. Yeah, the, the 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 tickets for the big show. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you can also um uh, once once you get a uh, cred stick later, you can call your girlfriend who happens to be a a, a stripper, a dancer. Um, yeah, named Sassy. Yeah, like Sassy. And she she she's moved on. That's important. If you if you have a ba- if you have a baby girl and you name her Sassy, like you're more or less ensuring that she's going to be a stripper. Yeah, same with Chardonnay. There's no Chardonnay, yeah. Ferrari, you know all that. Yeah, yeah, candy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's like, and it's like if you get a, uh, you know, you have a baby boy and you decide to name him Gordy, like he's going to play to- play hockey. Yeah. Like there's no way around it. Like you're just kind of determining, you know, f- yeah. fuck nature. It's all nurture when it comes to naming your baby. Exactly. Name is fate. Name is fate. Yep. Uh, you know, and just the, in this game, the, the, the true name of these spirits, very important. Maybe. Yeah, names are thematically. Uh, yeah, so if you know Sassy's true name, yeah, she, you can you can control you, her. You can you can get her to attra- attack a dragon for you <laughs> <laughs> instead of just turn into an octopus. It's such a weird game. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is a really odd game. Yeah. Um, but she she's the one who drops the the hint about Glutman, yeah. right? Does she say yeah? So Glutman apparently hired you before, and this kind of has shades of the uh, the Genesis version where yeah. you were you're clearly hired on a job. You know, both games have a you know you're not amnesiac in the Genesis version, but you're you're exploring someone else's life, mm-hmm. so you you don't have all the pieces. In this one, you're you're amnesiac and you're you're just finding out who hired you, which is this Glutman character. Yeah, I I, I didn't mind the amnesia part of this game. There, there's there's so little story to this um, mm-hmm. that it's neat trying to follow the line of clues into this progressively more absurd kind of territory. Normally I, w- I would be upset at the amnesia plot device, but it's also a, a noir staple, yep. right? Yep. Like, I mean, this, this, it happens in noir mm-hmm. stories. So yeah. it's just kind of a genre nod for as much as I like noir, man, I need to watch. It's been a while since I've watched Mulholland drive, hmm. <sighs> man. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Speaking of noir with amnesia. Yeah. The, uh, so, so you go through, there's not too much. So the, the first part of this town, like there's a couple things you can do. Like you can run into the CD arms dealer and you, uh, you have to, to buy a, a Lone Star badge, which are the, the police. Like apparently like when all the police just decide to leave town, <laughs> that was when this guy picked up that badge and uh, you can go to a club and it features another one of these things that me and my, my friend Derek joked out a lot about is there's a sad elf at a, at a desk <laughs> who, uh, who's sad because he lost his tickets to a show. And the only way to cheer him up is with iced tea. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, 
when you get the iced tea, you have iced tea as a dialogue option. So you get to do like a lot of fun Gabriel Knight things where you can, until you give it to this guy, you can talk to plot important NPCs and they'll be like really furious at you. And you, you know, <laughs> what can you tell me about iced tea? <laughs> you know, like it's, it's always fun to ask people. I mean, it, it's not fun. It's a, it shows yeah. a major gameplay flaw in this where you have, <laughs> by the end, you have maybe. 25 or 30 different dialogue options you have a good three or four screens of things you can talk about yeah which are always alphabetized mm-hmm. and very rarely like so iced tea after you use it is taken out of your dialogue but mm-hmm. almost nothing else is so you you can ask you know you're talking to somebody and you can ask about things that seems like they should know about but on any given person you're lucky if one or two things have a unique response and really lucky if they actually advance the plot um so there's a real bad kind of chaff effect to that that kind of ruins this otherwise very neat and ambitious dialogue system yeah and like i can kind of see what they're going for because like who would think to ask a little kid in a uh in a junkyard about healing so they could sell them slap patches mm-hmm. you, you know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like i only knew about that because of a fact but like think about what that like what that is trying to teach people to do every person that you talk to use our crappy interface to, to like just to rub every single topic up against them yeah, yeah. yeah. This game, you know, being this weird mix of genres, excels at none, really. Oh, no. Like, I, I've got some affection for this game, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately, and we'll get to our final thoughts on it and everything, but the uh, it, it doesn't do anything the best way. And, right. the, and this dialogue adventure element is for sure not the best way. Um, the only other real thing you do in that first area um, is, is do some grinding. Like, similar to the, the Genesis version, even mm-hmm. though it's not a classic RPG where you're going around killing slimes, you do need to do some grinding in the beginning. Right. Uh, and kind of the best place to do this, so you can do it in your apartment, which is really close to your healing center. Yeah, that's what but, I did. Uh, the, uh, the kind of the pro tip um, for this area is if you hire um, Hamfist in this first area, Okay. Um, he can he's a decker. So then the, the, they throw around profession terms like there are tons of mages that don't use magic and tons of deckers that don't use computers. That <laughs> called. It's like someone just took all the things they knew about Shadowrun and threw it into like a blender. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a decker. So you can hack into uh, Glutman's computer early on, which you, you later have to come back and do. And you get a thousand new yen for that. So you, you earn up money until you have 500. You hire him and get the thousand. And then you bring him to the graveyard and you can farm karma really quickly. Right. But those, but those ghouls, they they get stronger with everyone that you kill, right? They into, only once you leave and come back. Oh, okay. So in one visit, you can go that you can do that until Hamfist decides to leave you, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about Shadowrun hiring mechanics and stuff at some point. But until he decides, he's earned his keep, and you can earn a lot of karma this way, at least enough to bump up your firearms and your body, um, right. which is what you should be concentrating on at this point. Yeah, until you get until you get more bells and whistles to focus on. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah. But uh, but but this uh, th- this area kind of concludes um, whenever you decide to proceed. You sneak into the morgue and you trick the guys with your with your shades and your police badge uh, mm-hmm. to letting you go through the files. Uh, I believe you find your 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 cred stick, which is only used to you, you use payphones really, and mm-hmm. um, and the tickets for this show because you know that's where Glutman is. Yeah, um, what a weird yeah. Why like just to get a hold of Glutman? You can't like wait until the day after the show. <laughs> like it's you know time it's is very, of the like, essence, Gary. Time is of the essence. <laughs> There are people trying okay to kill to spend, you. I spent a few days in the graveyard, like just killing <laughs> ghouls. Um, it's really strange. You also get a really important item because I, I didn't put it together until later when I used it. But you have to go to this graveyard to get the uh, magic fetish. Right. 
which ends up being really plot important from like a dying shaman. <laughs> and not only that, you have to pray that you saw the four pixels that represented the scalpel in the morgue yes. and pick those up <laughs> and know that d- despite all the keys that you have in your inventory, you have to use the scalpel to pick the lock. They do this later with a crowbar. And yes, it's they do. <laughs> <laughs> it's infuriating. It's infuriating. the worst. <laughs> um, you, you, so you go through that graveyard, and you have to get into this thing to see this like super hot uh, musician. I actually really like all the mm, club scenes. Me too. In this game, the clubs are really like kind of like stylishly drawn, and yeah. watching the bands do that, and watching like idiots dance. Like there's mm-hmm. a couple people doing this little like SNES 16-bit dance. Yeah, they're they're they're, they're very well lit, which is weird to say for an SNES game. And uh, the the animation cycles, especially on the performers, are really cool. And this yeah. was this was the scene I was kind of like you know middling ho hum on the on the visual style, like the way this game is put together. This is a pretty game, I think. Yeah, in yeah. A this lot game, of this game looks really good. Like the uh, it's animated really well. Um, there's a lot of detail on the screen. The mm-hmm. character portraits that they have, like some of them, are really good. Like mm-hmm. you get a lot of like the personality from from the people. Like the, when you finally run into Glutman. <laughs> um, and they reuse almost all the sprites, yes. you know, in the game. But the Glutman sprite, uh, conversation sprite, is really like there's a lot of character to it, and it portrays what kind of guy he is, yeah. you know, very well. Um, I also think about the the fat guy who always looks like a pope to me, <laughs> like, like the chubby pope, yeah, who runs the hotel in downtown and runs mm-hmm. a couple other things. Um, <laughs> chubby pope also. Uh, <laughs> there's also chubby southern gentleman, or as I call yeah. him, uh, southern comfort. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> his cheeks are a little um, too red. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that. Like I mean, everybody. Like the bartender looks mm-hmm. like a bartender. Like everybody looks really good. Yeah, I like uh, like everybody looks. And, and, the, uh, and just the world sprites. I mean, just kind of like you know, there 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 are sprite constructions and sprite styles that people like appropriate and are used later. Like Mega Man comes to mind. Like every sprite comic is. I'm going to take Mega Man characters and you know put this together. Mm-hmm. This like this has a lot of character, and I see like potential for that to have been like if this game wasn't an evolutionary dead end, for that to have been like more influential in yeah, the way that I, like sprite art is done. Well, the fact that it's isometric probably hurt yeah. that too. So you'd have to do the the comics in that style to make everything match up. Yeah. And almost like most isometric games of this type and this vintage aren't very good, right. you know. So it's it's kind of uh, uh, you know it's not very popular popular you, looking. You know what I like? I like that there's no out- outlines on anything. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all it's all done with color and shades and things like that. Yeah, just it looks with, good. Yeah. And yeah. it looks a little bit better. Like the Genesis version looks a lot muddier than this, mm-hmm. and like a lot darker. And this has a little bit more. Like there's no bright cheery areas or anything like that but it looks just everything st- like pops a little bit better yeah um there might be a good also a good time to talk about the music because it's the first time you hear the club music oh yeah, um, yeah. i like the music in this game a lot mm-hmm. um there's only a few tracks and it definitely gets repetitive especially when you're going into area after area where they're playing the danger theme yeah i mean you hear the beginning <laughs> of that, <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah but da, the, da, the, da, the, da. You keep hearing that. Um, but the music in this game is really good and very uh, evocative of, of mood. Yeah. Um, specifically, the the music that when you first talk to Dog, there's kind mm-hmm. of like a noir, spiritual noir theme mm-hmm. that plays at several points that I think is really good. Yeah. It's got that nice little. Yeah. Yep, yeah. That's exactly that one. Um, like, and, and a lot of the music has kind of like this Japanese flavor to it. Mm-hmm. And that speaks to like one of my favorite things about cyberpunk in general. All cyberpunk since it was written in the eighties assumes that Japan won. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's it. like, even down to like this, I mean, this thing, even though that's really, uh, all this system is 100% based on neuromancer. 
which is based on that. So true. I mean, it's the same. I mean, they could they call the currency a neuromancer nuyen, you know, yeah, you know? which is is what they call it in in, in Shadowrun. So it's yep. it's definitely. Uh, I think it might just be a William Gibson thing. Yeah, like William Gibson was just terrified of, <laughs> of, the, know, Japanese. of the Japanese <laughs> and decided to to base this novel on it, and it just happened to birth this genre, yeah. um, which was also terrified of the Japanese. Yeah, I'm not t- terrified. Not the right word, but they you know they definitely won. Yeah, and, I mean it, it, it's a lot of affection to it too. You know, I mean, it's kind mm-hmm. of like, uh, you know, like Firefly. They leave that like Firefly assumes that the Chinese will win, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. what do I mean? What do I, I'm not win. Like just, you know, yeah. gain enough like culturally, just culturally <laughs> dominating the race wars. The race um. wars. <laughs> yeah. You know, the race yeah. wars. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's all. That's all cool talking about. <laughs> you guys are on board, right? Uh. <laughs> hey, race war. <laughs> Bring yeah. your girlfriend. Wait, what, what race is she? Italian? Oh, that's white. Okay. Yeah, God, I love that skit. Let's go. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that's just a nice little piece of flavor, you know, mm-hmm. that I like. But it works in this, and it's n- neat. Great music in the Genesis version, too. Yep. So I'm glad they, they actually got both of those composers to come back for that kickstarted Shadowrun Returns thing. So they're just going to work together. And I just imagine it being like, what have you been up to? Oh, absolutely nothing for the last 25 years. How about you? <laughs> also nothing. Well, yep. well, I successfully switched from heroin to methadone. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah, that's probably what I mean. They're probably super successful. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I just the, the, these... Yeah, uh, but just like, who who's even heard of those guys? I love how they took the they knew that that would be important that those were like kind of hallmarks of these games for pretty much for just me. I mean, <laughs> I, think I was going to extrapolate and say on you know a generation of kids, a generation. But but I you know there's probably you can count on on you know thirty or forty hands the number of people who value these two games yeah. as much as I do. You know, I, I we we can't discount solipsism as a valid philosophy. So. Yeah. <laughs> just by definition though that's what makes it like the cheapest most shitty philosophy exactly like the definition is you can't discount it yeah yeah like when someone brings solipsism into an argument stop arguing with them and stop being friends with them yeah. because it's really fucking annoying yeah it's like it's like trying to stomp on jello But you find uh, you find Glovin, and he says, "Oh man, we've got to get you someplace safe where you can lay low." And apparently, the safest place in Seattle is a junk is a junkyard where they have death matches. Yeah, gladiator junkyard. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like the the car yard though. I oh, like it's this great. Part. Yeah, like, it's this awesome. idea of people like getting kind of stuck in this. Like they they give everything they have to be in this place, but then they can't leave, and it's just because it's protected. Like I actually thought, like from a lore perspective, this was pretty rad. Yeah, and I actually I actually liked it as a place that you would because so, so the idea is you're in the junkyards. And uh, you have to fight in gladiatorial combat to earn enough money to get out. Um, or you can uh, challenge the guy who runs it um, to get out. Right. And uh, this was really cool. Like, they're escalating series of one-on-one fights. And I found myself coming back here whenever I needed some easy money and karma, like whenever I would get more powerful. Yeah. Um, another pro tip. So the same thing with that hiring ham fist in the first area. Another pro tip I remember from playing this a thousand times when I was younger is when you come back to this area – or before you go to this area, buy six grenades from the arms dealer in the first mm-hmm. town. And it will allow you to, you know, cheese a tier above your tier. So keep fighting in the gladiator fights until you can stop winning fairly. And then toss six grenades at the next guy and you should be able to win that one. And you'll end up with a huge karma and money boost that you really aren't <laughs> justified in having at this point in the game. Yes, the, you, you oughtn't have won that fight. I only yeah. ended up having to do that with, with one guy. And that was the samurai warrior who has the rapid fire weapon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that circle straight to you. Yeah, that sucked. 
Um, everybody- it's one of the rare examples of somebody actually tactically doing combat because the combat in this game is usually like let's stand mm-hmm. 15 feet away from each other and just shoot each other in the face until one of us runs out of health. But he actually, in kind of a weird meta thing, like he's moving around to shake off your auto lock. Right. You know, which is kind of interesting. Like that doesn't happen all that often. It happens in a few places in the game. Yeah. It means that you have to readjust your aim um, because you aim in this game really weird. Yeah. Like it is, uh, yeah, you move a, an adventure game cursor over to somebody, and if you get on a, a person, it'll stick there for the most part, but yeah. they can kind of shake it off. This, man, you, you, you think about what could have been. This game would have been so much better with the, uh, with, with the uh, uh, Mario Paint mouse. Yeah. Like, yeah, mouse interface would have been made this real rad. Yeah. Yeah. And then and WASD moving around kind of thing. <laughs> you just want to play Binding of Isaac. Um. Yeah, yeah that, that's more. I don't play Binding of Isaac with a mouse. I'm not a barbarian. Okay. Sorry. Um, the, other, the neat thing about this car yard is one of the few places where there are different ways to go about it. So, mm-hmm. like, you can challenge the king, and he's not too tough. Like, you can grenade spam him and save your money. You can also uh, learn negotiation from the uh, the fat dude who runs the, the fights yeah. if you picked up that keyword, and that will give you a huge discount on buying your way out. Is he the guy who gives the tip and let me pull this up his his tip for negotiation always act cool never attract attention never tell them the bad part yep that's exactly that's all you need to know to get a one in negotiation about about life really yeah Um. (laughs) (laughs) yeah um that's exactly it right so the game it's kind of neat that you can earn these other skills throughout the game they really didn't go very far with this though no like there's only a couple other ones you learn uh, two other ones you learn like negotiation and charisma normally in any other game i would have gravitated immediately towards those i'm happy yeah, that i did some didn't. reading in this i'm so happy yeah just because because like there's no there like that doesn't benefit you at all does it like what's the well, what's the functional component of, of of charisma charisma limits how many runners you can have with you okay um Negotiation makes running so they there is a viable way to play through the game doing that. But instead of it being like you get through situations through those things, you just hire people to do your shooting. Mm-hmm. So like if you played through this game, you maxed out charisma, you maxed out negotiation, and then you got the leadership uh, skill software yeah. and maxed that out. You can hire runners for cheap. You can hire a lot of them. And they'll stay with you for a long time. Okay. So you can play through the game that way where you just kind of – and there's a – you can do it like – where you, and then you max out maybe on yourself like heal magic and you dedicate yourself to keeping your friends alive. Right. Um, it's just there's really no advantage to doing it. Yeah. But that's the tactical. So that's what the, if you had played through those stats, though, this early part of the game would have been nigh fucking impossible because <laughs> hiring runners is really expensive for and a lot of them are very fragile. So until you mm-hmm. can heal them or cast armor on them, um, they're very likely to die. And uh, you're just going to that's just money down the drain. I only ever hired one runner in the entire game. Um that was Kitsune. I, uh, I hire a couple. Like there, there's there's tactical points in which I know that it's a good idea to hire people, um, and and I'll, we'll talk about them those points a little bit later. Um, I hire Ham Fist in that first area to farm for karma really quickly, and uh, to do that first hacking job. But yeah. then I don't hire someone else again until Russet Stilettos. Okay. So, yeah, I could see where that would where that would where that would go. Well, we'll talk more about those about those mechanics. Yeah. I just I was always so afraid that they would just like leave me in the middle and say, "Oh boy, I think I left Ever my iron happened? on." Yeah. 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 And that's yeah. why and then that leadership stat helps with that. But it's it's really not worth buying or upgrading because the uh you know the they'll stay with you more or less long enough and they have built in like amounts of loyalty mm-hmm. as well. So this just boosts that. Yeah. So if you know what you're doing, certain people will stay with you for a long time even without that loyalty. So so you get out of the you get out of the car yard and 
like old town this this area that you're in um mm-hmm. man i like the, i love the way that the car yard looks it's a, it's got one of the best yeah. bright sets in the game um yeah. but uh but the, like there are really only a couple of other points of interest there's uh there's a magic shop um of like talisman not of like trick mm-hmm. cards um and and a weapon shop where you can get uh some new equipment if you choose all i really got was the ruger yeah, the Ruger, the Ruger is the, the sensible upgrade at this point. And if you do that thing I said with the grenades and cheese your way into one more uh, gladiator fight, yeah. you can usually afford the Ruger fairly quickly, if not right after leaving here. Yeah, and, up, and up, upgrading your, we- your weapons, like even more so than upgrading your stats aside from body, that is the way that you win this game and get better. Because you quickly run into classes of enemies that you cannot hurt with the Beretta, and right. then enemies that you cannot hurt with the Ruger, and so on and so forth. The, uh, there, there's kind of like a weapons armor arm race going on yeah. in the game. They're, they they control different things, so you, it's always good to pump up your your firearms. But you don't need to. At some point, that runs out. And the difference being, like weapons determine how much damage you do, and firearms is how accurate you are. Right. So how many of your hits are actually going to connect? Right. Um, so so they're both important, but body and firearms are the two most important stats in the game. Um, I guess computer too, because you eventually get you know. <laughs> Decking is not nothing is optional in this game. Like nope. it's not you're not choosing different builds. You just have to become this Ubermensch mm-hmm. to get through it. So computer eventually become, but for this early part of the game, it's just body and firearm all the way. Right, and yeah. we'll we'll talk about computers. Don't worry, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk we'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, the other point of interest is a uh, I call it a chop shop in the notes, but that's not that's not the thing that it is. <laughs> it's a street dock. It's a street dock. Just a dude, mm-hmm. you know. He, he's operating under under undercover. He's, he's Doctor Nick, essentially. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, I like uh, this guy. I like the low rent street doc. Yeah. Like his his dialogue is actually fairly funny for mm-hmm. the gravity of what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> like he's he's pretty blasé about like finding and accidentally you know starting a timer on a bomb in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, says, "I'll give you a refund." <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah that's uh that that it is it is uh he tries to prescribe you aspirin as well yep <laughs> um this is this is a fun quest um i could see it like is it possible to save with the timer going off and with you not having enough money um uh, yeah i feel i feel like that is possible um yeah so you can really is, is a real life time, yeah um yeah don't don't do that again as, as we talked about in fallout like games of a certain vintage you need to have a same ga- a save game regimen you know, um, no, not to save in the, you know, use both save slots, Yeah, you know, save before and after you do major things. And that just kind of comes with the territory. I feel like, yeah. Um, but, games where that's not necessary are the outliers at this point. So it's like, it's not like you really need to do that and like link to the past or super Metroid, but that's mm-hmm. because those are like two of the greatest games on earth. <laughs> so, you know, but everything else you should expect to, to be careful with your saves. Had your bets, had your yep. saves. Yep. Yeah, but uh, but so the the the, the timer's going off. You have I think thirty hours, but it ends up being thirty minutes because of in game time mm-hmm. um, to find um, a competent and licensed street doc, um, <laughs> Doctor Hibbert, um, over in yeah. downtown. <laughs> and uh, uh, actually, it's, it's Maplethorpe, I guess. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. Good Just, picture. Yeah, uh, yeah, go, go, yeah. Google yeah. image search Maplethorpe at work. That'll be fun. Yeah, um, yeah. Without, without adding any SNES Shadowrun. Exactly. Yeah. Um, going to get a screen full of, of dick grabs. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but uh, you talk to Maplethorpe's uh, secretary. She, you know, say, hey, my head computer is rigged to blow. Really? Head computer? Is that what they call it in Shadowrun? Yeah, I think you have a head computer. Keep it. One of the things that's inter- interesting is I'm pretty sure that this game is based on Shadowrun 1st Edition. Okay. And the second one is based on 2nd Edition. I don't know that for sure. 
but based on little cute clues like this, because references to the head computer were gone by the time I was I was playing. So I feel like that's a first edition thing. Okay. Um, Such a you know, weird it maybe sounded computer. cool when it came out. Yeah. Head computer, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, finding this uh, guy, if you don't know where to look for him, like a, a bartender will tell you if you ask about Street Doc. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't know to look for that bartender, like this can be pretty tricky to find him yeah. in that 30 minute time limit. There are certain things that I just fact, and this was one you of know. them. But this is an um, important NPC because not only does he take – so he takes that out. He tells you about Matrix Systems, which are the people who made this bomb, mm-hmm. and then sells you cyberware uh, for the rest of the game, some of which is very essential. Yes. Uh, boosted reflexes, just like in the Genesis version. Um, yep. Crazy. I think it doubles your rate of fire. Yep. Um, something yep. like that. Yeah, very, very useful. It's going to set your DPS uh, much higher, yeah. and the game will get significantly easier when you get that. Yes. Um, he also sells, and this glitched for me, he also sells dermal plating. Were you able to buy the dermal plating? Yes, later on, though. It didn't It didn't spawn for me at the point it's supposed to spawn, hmm. and I don't know why that is. Like, if I miss some kind of flag or, or something like that, but I never was able to buy the dermal plating, which was difficult because it's a very useful upgrade. It is, and, uh, uh, in the later episode, in, in, the, in the later chapters, like, you need to be invulnerable. Yeah, yeah, yep. and I was not uh, not invulnerable, so it made I ended up doing a lot of abuses of save states to get through this game uh, this morning. Yeah, you know, which is not you know not my preferred way to do it, but it just kind of had to, to work out that way. Yeah, I, I also, I mean, if we're if we're making admissions here, I also uh, took advantage of turbo mode on mm. SNES 9X um, in order to grind. Um, yeah, so that just to speed it up and to you know beat no, the game nothing wrong with that. So the big the big thing is when you go to downtown though and you're on your way to get this bomb removed, you run into um two like assassins who mention the rust stilettos. <laughs> right? Like I'm pretty sure yeah. that's what happens. I don't think they mentioned Drake just yet. Um but they mention this Rust Stilettos gang and that's how you know that's your next target. Yeah, you kill them and they drop a key. Um and uh you know, tell them Jack, uh, Jackie Treehorn sent you. Yeah, um, more, more or less, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> I, lo- I love the walk-up to the uh, to the Rustalettos with a live grenade on the ground. I, I never knew what to make of that. Like, I didn't... I, I, exam- no, I examined I don't even it. Know what to, I don't know what to make of it. You, you pick it up and it blows up. <laughs> and that's it. Like, I don't understand why it's there. Like, is it a trap? Is it... Like, how... What? What, what? I just, you know... I don't understand why that's there at all. Yeah, so uh, I examined it and I was like, "Oh, there's no pin. I better stay away." So it's really strange. <laughs> yeah. You get to go into another club. Some in this little area. kid picked it up and he's, yeah, presumably so. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, no no kids in this game, uh, and this is why. Or there are kids <laughs> in this game, but the uh, no kids in this area. That's yeah. because there's live, irresistible live grenades um, everywhere. The yeah. uh, uh, or as I call them, kitty crunchers. <laughs> um, the the. The, uh, the, I like the club here, though, because you can hire um, a couple of different uh, Shadowruns here. And the one that's the money one, if you want help with this next part, is uh, Norbert, the troll. Um, he stays with you the longest. He does the most damage. And uh, all the trolls in this game are like if there was racism, if, if you could consider this to be racism, you know, if trolls existed, <laughs> they're very racist caricatures. <laughs> like they're all going like, hee hee, har har, dee Like you're, the one in the weapon shop is ridiculous. Like, ah, me guns. Like... <laughs> It's it's real yeah. silly, um, yeah. yeah. Hmm. He's a he's a good guy to take you to the next this next part, which is pretty tough. Like the Rustalitos is a tough fight. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a it's but it feels pretty badass too because like they have barricades set up in the front of the streets. I mean, it's like what, three or four rooms that you have to clear out to like mm-hmm. get get to the bottom of this. I didn't yep. I didn't attack the rest of those stilettos to much later actually. After okay. I did the docks and things like that just because I was hitting my head up against a wall with them. There um, there the two things that like will get you through this if you want to do it then. Um that that you know or may or may not be worth it. Um is that the once you get to the second room, which you're fighting a lot of guys at once and the gang mm-hmm. leader, um, the damage you do, or the, if you take out people, it's persistent. So yes. if you kill one guy and leave, he stays dead, mm-hmm. and you kind of Bioshock your way through it, like you kind of Vita Chamber your way into into killing all the guys in there. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that grenade, you know, exploit where you can buy six grenades for six hundred dollars and guaranteed take out one dude. So it's yeah. money intensive, but you can get through it you know kind of at this point there's no reason not to do it the way cole did it where you go to the docks first but um and that's actually probably a better way to do it but the reason why you might want to do this is because this gives you the reputation you need to get into another club where you eventually start unlocking uh heal magic which is a real game changer in this oh yeah i guess that would be that would make a ton of sense yeah, yeah. so it's hard though it's a really really tough fight and like that's why you know if you have norbert with you if you can leave before either of you guys get killed you can just kind of do mm-hmm. one or two guys a run and eventually get through it yeah it, but it's it it was very satisfying to do that. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I liked I liked that fight um, because it was one of those things where like, whoa, this is way out of my depth, and then come back later and then just mow them down. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Progress has a has a melee guy. So a guy comes up to you and starts hitting you with a melee weapon. Kind of kind of interesting cutout material is that there are uh, dummied out versions of skilled for armed and unarmed combat, which would be like a melee mm-hmm. weapon and fisticuffs. Um, but they have no effect. They were not. They were yeah. planned, but not implemented in the game. I could see that being a good way to go about it if you didn't have to use cursors to do that. I would probably prefer to play it that way. But like, seeing as you can't just walk up to something and then just activate it, you you have to like mouse over to it. Um, I right. could see them messing that up really, really badly. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. But uh, the, the the docks are interesting because down there. Um, well, okay, let's let, let's let's finish up the Rustalettos. What's the piece of information that you get at the end there? They, they, do they tell you about Drake? Uh, Drake. Yeah, Drake. they're like yes. Drake. Drake's gonna get you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the guy who's who's uh, the cartoonish supervillain who is antagonizing you through this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, every time you get like you find a data file signed by Drake, they're hilarious. Yeah, they're just like, "Don't make me come down there, henchman." He's, Armitage must be destroyed! Exclamation point! Signed Drake. He's <laughs> he's he's like uh, Doctor Claw from Inspector Gadget. Totally, he uses yeah. more exclamation points than Stanley. Like it, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and and you don't find. I was actually surprised. I shouldn't have been. But when I when I when I called him uh, a little bit later, from I the, love it when you call him. When you when you call him, he's like, "What is this? <laughs> what is this madness?" or something. Yeah. He's a dragon. He's he's a, yeah. he's a he's a telephone talking dragon. He, he's a dra- <laughs> he's a Drake who picks up a phone, and then that's a really fun place to do the what. Can you tell me about because you can be like, you know, Drake, he's like, ooh, Armitage. And you can be like, what can you tell me about head computer? And he goes, Armitage, you. <laughs> um, so you just can't constantly ask him about things. And he goes, Armitage, you <laughs> like get off my lawn. Get off. He's a real Mr. Wilson figure. <laughs> Runs up to the county lion, throws his throws his hat on the ground and stomps on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but that introduces you to the principal antagonist, even though like this game suffers from, um, I'm going to make up a thing that's probably TV tropes. Like, so if this isn't already a TV tropes, like 
feel free to take this. Uh, but it's kind of like a Zeromus nesting doll. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. You know, where like every the new villain is revealed like six times in this. <laughs> like you think it's this guy, but it turns out to be this guy who then is working for this guy who's then working for this guy. Yep. <laughs> like it's just peeling back layers of Zemus and then Zeromus and then like Zeromamamus and then Zemo Zupazop. <laughs> and then like it is eventually just, you know, it's like the biggest cosmic entity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, for for the ending. So yeah. Drake is Drake is a, a principal antagonist, but he's not the ultimate principal antagonist, and there are more principal antagonists to go. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you, you you've got it right. I just love the structure of this organization. I don't. Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a real mess. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So so uh, you you get Drake, and there are a couple of buildings that have Drake um, all over them. Here, mm-hmm. I, I I attempted to to you know to storm the Drake Tower at this point, but that didn't really pay off because um, I didn't have the computer skills to get in and uh, and and uh, yeah get up that elevator. So I I decided, um, okay, so we're gonna do a little bit of time travel before I went to the Rustalitos, went to the docks, and the docks are pretty important because this is where you find uh, dog, right? And, you find yeah, where you, where you find Poochie the talking dog. And, uh, and he is like somebody you can go to and you bring him items that you find out in the world, often pieces of animals, et cetera. And then he rewards you with spells. Right. And this is like where all that, that adventure game pick up everything. Yeah. Kind of uh, regimen comes in handy because most of the things you pick up, some of them are actually used to open doors and kind of solve like quote unquote puzzles, but a lot of them are just spell components. Yeah, and he uh, gives you very vague, um, very very vague instructions like bring me two pieces of something from the sea, and you yeah. have to bring octopus blood and mermaid scales a little bit later to get the free spell. I forget how do you get heal? Is that is that like you is- you get Kitsune and she teaches you? It's it's the magic leaves from Kitsune. Yeah, yeah. Um, give you that so that's that's really important because heal is the most like that's going to lengthen your trips that you have out yeah you know between going to bed so uh that's really important um magic in this game you know you can only have one spell as kind of your active spell at a time which is frustrating and uh spells also level up the same way that uh skills do so like a level six heal and a a level six magic stat is pretty essential by the end of the level six or yeah yeah or more because that's how many times you can cast and the spells are essential in this game yeah. so like you eventually like getting um like invisibility and getting freeze are going to make later boss fights that are otherwise would seem impossible uh seem plausible even later areas where they just where they make the game more difficult by just throwing a ton of enemies at you mm-hmm. yeah. yeah invisibility invisibility is is your is your is your guy yeah um that's that's a great spell that's going to help you out quite a bit. But uh, you, you go around. The docks are a pretty good place to level up, too, um, mm-hmm. I've, I've found. And this is where I got a lot of traction uh, before I moved into the kind of the next uh, more boss-intensive parts of the game. The, the game is not actually that like it's long because you have to spend a lot of time grinding and kind of groping around for what to do. But there aren't that many areas of the game. Like, we're, you know, more than halfway through as far as major stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. in the game like there's just a couple end game dungeons after this but this is the end of the open world there's just those three hubs yeah and and that's really it mm-hmm. um the big thing the dog tells you is that uh to prove your loyalty to him you have to take out a rot shaman that is is hanging around <laughs> and uh he lives in a, in a sewer mm-hmm. and uh this is yeah <laughs> the worst <laughs> yeah this is this is pretty frustrating like the the so it's kind of hard to find in the first place like where this entrance is Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of an Easter egg. Like if you take Kitsune with you at this point and hire her, like she'll stay with you forever. Cause she's got, she's totally down to if, 
um, with you. And the watch, watching her walk around, like she looks like there are people who just walk around in Portland that way. There's all these furries around here that walk yeah. around with those foxtails and ears and stuff. And I didn't realize that when I was younger and playing this. And now it adds like a disturbing layer to it. <laughs> I guess that since she can actually shapeshift into a fox, it's not as gross. Yeah. But still, she's still dressed like a like the worst cosplayer. Um, <laughs> just, just yeah. Mm. Mm. But uh, this is really hard. Like these rats, like run around and they kind of shoot things out of their backs. It, I mean, is it is it ratchet or are they kicking uh, rocks at you? I, I think I think they're I kicking know. rocks at you. It looked to me like the when uh, uh, Gizmo fires out other Gizmos <laughs> out of his back when he gets wet. Like they just like the little like <laughs> you know just like popping out little. Little balls of oh, they're 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 possums. So 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 they're so, so they've got the babies clinging to their bags and they just meh, throw. Or those really gross frogs. Oh God, do don't that. no, don't, yeah, no, <laughs> don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> man. But uh, whatever they shoot at you, it's more deadly than bullets. It hurts, <laughs> and and this is the first place in the game where like the stun lock mechanic really rears its ugly head like when you get yeah. hit you can't act for like a, a second yeah and it's really easy to get kind of pummeled um later this becomes worse but here is the first time it really annoyed me yeah at least at least here the rooms are long enough that you can try and edge up and aggro them one at a time yeah try luring out one at a time is the, <laughs> the advice for is the orange soapstone soapstone for yeah. this this area yeah um, and managing managing line of sight so it's a little bit similar like uh zombies at my neighbors in that respect yeah like yeah. you really just want to let one person know you're there at a time and not expose too many of them the, the thing that's really irritating about this about this area to me is there's a lot of dead ends which if there's going to be a dead end in a game like don't just make it like you know there's nothing here and fuck you yeah throw a treasure chest there yeah put something in there just use a little stuff to make it worth our while you know mm-hmm. but like with this kind of like oh so i just freaking died or you know i just i just lost a bunch of health and used up a lot just a ton of you know mp trying to heal myself i forget if i had heal at this time let's pretend i did mm-hmm. um and uh and then there's nothing for it and so after i died a couple of times it was like okay i'm not walking back to my bed i'm just going to save state here before i go if there's nothing at the end of this i will reload and then just not go about it and that is a shitty way to design a dungeon yeah no it, it's pretty lousy never man never play fantasy star 2 so many <laughs> fucking dead ends in that game but that's one of the reasons why it's a good idea to hire Shadowrunners for dungeons, or at least mages, because they extend your MP. So you can use them to heal you, so you can get to kind of the end encounter. That's how, we, since I wasn't able to get that dermal plating, I was still pretty fragile in the Aneki building. And by hiring the, I mean, we'll get to it, but while hiring the final mage in the game was how I yeah. made it through, because I was able to use her magic to make myself invisible and heal me up until I got to the end. Right. Um, so if you take Kitsune with you to this, it's a little bit better because she yeah. provides a very little amount of power, firepower, but mostly can uh, uh, heal you and use yeah. her points instead of their own. Yeah, I had Kitsune here. the The struggle, like you told me, take her to the take her to the uh, um, sewers with you, which I did, but I, I had a lot of difficulty trying to keep her alive too. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it can be tough. If you give her, if you've bought the mesh jacket at this point, mm-hmm. if you give her your leather jacket, it'll make a big difference. Okay. Even though it's a, a light armor, like it makes a lot of, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. I, I managed to keep her until, in, until the, uh, the dark blade mansion. Yeah. At which point but it's like, hard after that point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, the, the rat, the rat shaman himself is not that bad. Like if you, hmm. if you take out, 
the individual rats around him so that they're not there. All he can really do is freeze you and then shoot a Powerball at you so you can win a couple million dollars. <laughs> yeah, I was um, going to make a Powerball joke as well. Oh, okay. So we are agreed on that yeah. being <laughs> yeah, the proper thing like, to do right here. <laughs> um, is that an actual spell from Shadowrun? Yeah. Okay. Yep. There's power and it's like a prefix and there's three different levels oh, and yeah. Powerball is the area effect one. Okay. Um, huh. But it's a single target spell in this. Hmm. It, it will. It has splash damage. Oh, does it? So, really? Yeah. Yep. Oh, neat. Um, it's one of the very few reasons to use it. It's not a very useful spell. Yeah, and I don't think I ever got it. If people are ever clustered together, it's worth using. Yeah. I think you may get it from like if you picked up a paperweight in the first area. I think that's what you trade for power powerball. Yeah, um, makes sense. The but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not that useful. You didn't miss too much as long as you got armor and invisibility and freeze. Like those yeah. are the the money spells. Yeah. So. Also heal. Um, yeah, oh, and heal, yeah. Yeah, but uh, like this this is a great fight because it gives you a preview of how awesome Freeze is. Yeah, Freeze is really powerful, um, which is yeah, just pe- keep people in place. But a huge upgrade, when you upgrade Freeze, you get huge results on your yeah. karma points. So it incre- decreases the cost, I want to say, or at least ameliorates it to, to, to compete with the scaling, but leaves people frozen for much longer. I think it's five seconds per level. So at six level, you can freeze somebody for a full 30 seconds. And if you can't kill somebody in 30 seconds, like, you know, you have to upgrade your shit. <laughs> yeah. Because that's a real problem. And it's it's freaking necessary for uh, for for one of the bigger bosses in the game. Yeah. And by bigger, I mean necessary. sprite size. Um, yes, absolutely necessary. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you, you take out this rat, this rat shaman and uh, I forget, like, do you get something from him? He mentions just, Jester. Jester. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this is the next, like, this is another layer of the Jeromus on, onion. <laughs> um, he mentions Jester, and if you ask Kitsune about Jester, he says she doesn't know, or she says she doesn't know, but uh, the people in the Dark Blade Club might mm-hmm. know. And that starts, like, a really long, involved really series of stuff quest. to do. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, it, inv- it involves figuring out that vampires don't like strobe lights. Um <laughs> Uh, talking to three different bartenders to get strobe lights and yes. uh, also getting the magic uh, fetish from the graveyard if you hadn't up to this point, which I had right. not. And, well, and examining the magic fetish so you know that it has a bat on it and yeah. then making the intuitive leap that they may be interested. It also involves getting the phone number of the uh, Blade Mansion mm-hmm. um, from a like the talisman guy. And, like, mercifully, in one of the very few time-saving devices in this game, you can get that guy's phone number at some point so you don't have to make a trip back. Like, you can call the talisman oh, store yeah. and ask him about the magic fetish and then ask him about vampires and, and all that jazz. Um, or ask him about, uh, yeah, ask him about vampire or the Dark Blade Club to get the phone number for the Dark Blade Glove yeah. Club. And uh, can get in there. So it, it's it's ridiculous. And <laughs> and I figured out when I was younger, I don't know how I did it. I yeah. used my Simon's Quest <laughs> magic to, like, get through it. Your Simon's uh, Quest patience to get through it. Yeah, let's let's be very clear. <laughs> try, trying everything and rubbing everything on everything until I, I figured it out. Yeah. Um, which ended up making, because this time when I played through, I remember I was underpowered at more points than I was younger. Mm-hmm. And it's probably because I ended up doing a lot of incidental grinding just walking back and forth yeah. when I was younger. So I ended up with a lot of extra karma, which mm-hmm. I didn't have this time because I knew kind of the optimal path. Right. It's like, and, and like it, when I'm looking back at it and seeing like the logic... I, you know, like, okay, that's kind of a cool puzzle, you know, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, just you're, you're going around, you're doing some rudimentary investigation and just, you can deduce a lot of the stuff, but just the, the, everything about the game is designed to make the critical information as, as, uh, as opaque as possible. Right. And right. It, because of, because of how, how bad the experience is of talking to people, you just don't think to like walk up to the bartender and, you that's- know, say, 
this yeah. particular thing. That's the biggest issue with me is that the game is similar to um, when we were complaining about Sword of Mana and Tomba. Mm-hmm. Like the game trains you that NPCs aren't worth shit, really. Yeah. Or like, you know, that these conversation trees, like, and I guess it doesn't train you that you're not going to get things because you more or less have to talk to them to get the next path. But they train you that it's a pain in the ass because most times you're not getting anything from them. So when it makes it necessary, it kind of wrinkles and there could have been a more elegant way of doing this, like making the intuitive leap about vampires and strobe lights. Like you wouldn't have necessarily thought to ask the bartender about it and having him recount a situation in which the strobe lights, they should have made that like a cutscene. Yeah. Like when you first go in the club, there's a, there's a vampire, you know, strobe lights go off, a guy yells and runs off (laughs) and then you talk to the bartender and they say, man, you know, we've had that happen before. He's a vampire. They don't react. You know, yeah. they could have done done this much more elegantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, made in five months. So <laughs> made in five. So, months. Yeah. So so what are you what are you gonna do? Yeah. Um, excuse but, me, excuse me, Mister Salesman. Does this talisman belong to Batman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the the Darkblade Mansion is is hilarious though because like one uh, when the actual the guy um, in Darkblade Mansion who's what is his name again the the vampire lord I forget I think it might be Darkblade. Yeah, yeah, he's just he named his club after himself, his, right. his like gentleman's club, but he's full of ridiculous eating you puns. Like he looks like a vamp, <laughs> like nothing like a you know anything like a vampire. He looks exactly like a vampire, and he's just you know we'd love to have you for dinner, like come over for a bite. Like he just like speaks in cheesy vampire puns for some reason. It's really weird. Um, but he will trade you this this talisman to give you the wrong name, and you have to also kind of intuit that he's lying you know so, intuit- god help you if you go to the, the brummington at this point did, oh did you go to the brummington no no see no. because because um this is one of the few like crazy fact things that i didn't fact because <laughs> if you if you hack into one of his computers you know you're, you're hmm. starting to find computers that you can they that you can uh, hack into and i was like i was keeping an eye out because i thought that computers would be more of a source of money than they were and you're always really hard up for money because you only pick it up at like 10 20 at a time and stuff mm-hmm. costs like tens of thousands of dollars um, and your, so, your money is constantly being attritioned by staying at ends yes oh. well there's only the, the one end but it's, yeah. It happens to be the most convenient place for all of this end game stuff, and there, and like and there's a lot of like uh, like you know mystical ninja sixty four plot gating for for for, uh, for 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 Nuyen. So like, give me three thousand yeah. to progress. No, nobody knows what that means cool. I know. Like like <laughs> that's not a thing that people <laughs> term people throw around. <laughs> I know, but still, yeah. it's something yeah. from my experience. And if the game was available, we would do it and hate it. Um, <laughs> Or harder for that Tomba experience. <laughs> but that's one of the mystical ninja on Super Nintendo. Yeah, uh, oh man, I love that game on Super Nintendo. Um, the N64 one's the one that's bad. Okay. Um, I still beat it though. Um, but uh, yeah, but so you say so you're losing your money because you have to use it as plot coupons to get you know from point A to point B. So I was looking for this stuff, and when you, when you hack into these things, it's not it's not apparent. It took me a while to say it, like to figure this out. But when it says you get a data file, it's actually an inventory item that you can examine for clues and stories yeah. and things like that. And one of them says, you know, the jester's name isn't uh, like Nirwanda or something. Yeah, like Nirwanda that. is the one he gives you. Yeah, and, a, and so. You can you can press them for us. Like, ah, well, I might as well stake him again to see. You know, I left I left it, and then I went back and I did it again. I said, "Oh, okay, I know I'm lying. It's actually Laughlin." And uh, and then I was like, "Well, what am I going to do?" And I went back. I was like, "I don't have any information." I staked him again, and then he died. And I was like, "Oh, okay, I have Bremerton at least." <laughs> so yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. And then, I mean, that's how, that's ultimately the fight with the, the the vampire. When you're on the way there, though, you go through these catacombs full of zombies yeah. that are the best karma farming place in the game. I figured that out right quick. <laughs> yeah, that, that is the place. Like, if you bring, if you are able to hire a crew of dudes, and you can get yourself positioned in like a relatively safe place behind a coffin, you will gain karma at an alarming rate hanging out down here. So this is you will revisit this place many times. Yeah. That's that's where Turbo really benefited me honestly. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's also the next to the Dark Blade Club is like the shady hidden weapon shop that's also essential. Yeah. Where everything's sold at a discount and they sell all the end game equipment. So like yeah. it's so perverse of them to hide that. Like yeah. to hide that weapon store which is damn essential. What are you doing guys? I don't that, know. Like it yeah. just it's and it's not exactly hidden. Like the path is there. You just like you would never think to walk beyond that right, front entrance because that's obviously where you're supposed to go. Yep. Hmm. Hmm. Any anywho. Anyway. Um you go and so there's another this is another weird puzzle thing to get um out to the Bremerton, which is kind of it's kind of a cool set piece. Like it's a dead ship. It's yes. like a, a half like sunk ship out in the ocean, which is where the, the jester is making making his home. Yeah. Uh for some reason. And uh, filling it with assassins and thugs and slimes. <laughs> slime. um, I love the slimes. Yeah, so many slimes. Different colors, um, too, and they all do different things. Yeah, and yeah. then you put them in different jars, depending on, yeah. or like different colored jars, depending on, on their thing. Um, a, a multicolored rainbow of uppers, downers, slimes. And- <laughs> um, to, to, get, to get out here, you have to, like, the, the sea is lousy with mermaids. <laughs> and you may not, you have no way of knowing this if you didn't play the tabletop game, but mermaids in Shadowrun are actually super creepy and awesome. The, the, well, kind, we talked about it, uh, they're the Fiji mermaids, right? Yeah, they're more, yeah, they look a little bit like, like Fiji mermaids. Like the top of them kind of look like sea lion monkey creatures and mm-hmm. the bottom look like you know traditional mermaids right um so they're real creepy and the idea of like just there being tons of them out in the sea and they're attracted by warm water runoff from yeah. like a factory or something which i i thought that was a really cool little like world building detail yeah like heat pollution in the in the ocean that's cool yeah i like that and the way you get them out there is you just happen to find a random dude who sells you uh a, ice by the ton yeah. at 100 nuyen a ton which <laughs> i'm not you know i don't know anything about buying and selling ice but 100, 100 Nuyen seems really cheap for a ton of ice. <laughs> um, and then you can have it delivered wherever you like. So uh, you have it delivered to the dock to scare off the mermaids. And uh, the ferryman will then take you out to the Brummington. Can you just, like, prank people by delivering ice to different places? <laughs> a lot of the places, they will have an option. Like, if you give them a plausible answer, it's one of the few times it works. Mm-hmm. Um, with the ice guy, I can't remember. But later, when you have the helicopter guy, uh-huh. you can be like, uh, take me to the Brummington. He's like, are you kidding? I'm not going out. I'm not going to try to land this bird on the water. <laughs> like, he'll, If you give him, like, areas, he'll he'll tell you why he won't go there. Oh, yeah. Even though he can only go to one area, I just want to ship a bunch of ice to the volcano. Figure, yeah, figure yeah. you guys would want this. Cheers, yeah. Armitage. <laughs> Armitage, you <laughs> sticking me with the bill. Prank yeah. me again. Um, yeah, I, I love the the stoic side view cutscene whenever you go anywhere or go into yeah. any elevator, or anything. Yeah, <laughs> you just on the boat, like just staring forward. Like you're <laughs> such a Terminator. And that's like, I, I and I and I like that every trip is incredibly short. Yeah. So like when, like when you're taking like each of these places, they're probably only like 500 feet apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and even when you're on the helicopter trip, it's like brrr, up for three seconds, fly in the air for two seconds, down for three seconds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I like the the Bremington though, or Bremerton. Like out of the end game dungeon, this is my favorite one. Yeah. Like it, um, the dungeons so far have been incredibly varied and cool. 
Um, yeah. I, f- I, f- I feel like um, they, they, they fall off at the end and they become kind of like the Genesis version um, in that it's all corporate building kind of yep. settings. But like there, nothing has been repeated so far that I know of. Yeah. Um, and Bremerton, I, I, I like big sunken ships anyway, like these hulks. They're just yeah, like, it's a you know, super cool idea. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of like there's kind of like some some puzzle solving that goes on in here. Like there's the, the area with the the. Uh, the airlock. Yes, that, that's really lock. cool. Yeah, that's a you go into a room and there's four orcs that just open fire on you that are invincible, but you have to seal their room and then open the the water lock to flood the chamber they're in and kill yeah. them all and stuff. So I mean, the game doesn't have very many puzzles in it, despite its adventure game lineage, and this is one of the few ones. Yeah, um, there's also the aforementioned slimes that you have to get the the bottle that can contain them. Like they look mm-hmm. like enemies, but you actually have to pick them up in a bottle. Right. Um, it also has that fucking door you have to crowbar open, though. Yeah, to, so get, to, to get it to get into the thing. I forget where yeah. do you even get the crowbar? Like, does it is I it something know. that you're going to have picked up? No, I think I may, uh, I'm. I almost think it's in the graveyard. Like, I think it's in a, a fairly missable area. Uh, that's really frustrating because every other locked door doesn't behave that way. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's just. I mean, that's just something that happens in video games. You yeah, know, like there's all these other locked doors I can't open with my crowbar. Yep. Why can't I? You know, they can't all be Deus Ex where you can <laughs> open or hack open every door. Yeah. You know, if you don't have the key, but uh, they all should be Deus Ex. Every game should be fucking Deus Ex. <laughs> well, and and every, everybody who developed a game before Deus Ex, go back and retrofit it. We will wait yeah, exactly. for you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, add the ability to, or just don't have the doors there. Like, does there really need to be 20 doors on the, the surface of the ship? How many areas can they be going into? Um, Get on it, every dev. Yeah, get it, get on it every day. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love that you. I love that dimensional portal that you go into. Like, yeah. it's such a like this is a really cool area. Like yeah. I, I don't know. I like that idea of this. Like, you know, essentially this kind of a uh, uh, spirit um, mm-hmm. who abandoned this haunt or lives in this haunted abandoned hulk of a ship. Yeah, and that's his his portal into the mm-hmm. the world. It takes you um, to the fortress of regret. Uh, it's filled yeah. with uh, <laughs> jumping jumping slimes and uh, hydras and, or whatever and, there heavy dudes and uh troll deckers <laughs> um the troll sprites in this game are really ugly yeah i know everybody else looks really cool except for trolls yeah the trolls kind of look like a four-year-old drew them yeah the yeah. proportions <laughs> are all off yeah yeah um but you fight you fight the uh the jester and you only have to fight him until he says something at that point he becomes invincible and you can tell him uh, his real name which yes. is all fun yes laughlin he's on those uh those uh commercials with the dogs right I don't know what you're referencing. <laughs> Sarah McLaughlin. Uh, her, oh, that was terrible. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that doesn't sound anything like McLaughlin. Laughlin? Laughlin? Like, well, I mean, it does, <laughs> but like, what a, what a fucking stretch, dude. <laughs> Sorry. Gary, you, you miss every shot you don't take. All right. Yeah, I guess I guess that's true. Cole's <sighs> taking a shotgun approach to his reference on that, that one. <laughs> Mystical Ninja. Let's, let's just, let's just yeah. go back. Let's Nobody do a, knows what you're talking about, Cole. <laughs> let's do a worst hits. <laughs> Let's do a worst hits of Cole's jokes this episode. I, I made a pretty stupid joke earlier. So I don't feel too bad. No, no, it's fine. Dumb thing I said. Um, no, I, I if, if I was if I was really that sensitive, I would not survive this world. No, so. no, that's true. Yes, so. you, you, you would not be a, a pod a podcastman, a pod person. Yeah, yeah. But the, uh, you get him, and this is again really similar to the Genesis game where you go and you fight a mini boss to get their power for the end boss, mm-hmm. the dragon in the uh, in the Genesis version. So. Again, just kind of weird connections that are not uh, not direct. Yeah. Uh, so he he says you can summon him. He asks where you want to summon him. You tell him Drake, and mm-hmm. uh, he becomes a mask that becomes an item you can use, um, which ends up becoming necessary when you go to fight 
fight Drake. Everything that I've read about the Drake fight says that he's actually not necessary to use that. It just it, it takes his health down to a quarter. It maybe isn't necessary, but it's very useful. Yes. I wonder how much you can like sequence break at that point. Like, do you get no? Because he tells you about the volcano. Yeah, yeah. So like, you have to fight him. So you have to. I mean, you might as well use him. But it'd be neat if like he just helped you out a lot, and this was an optional dungeon. Yeah. Because I mean, that's one of the things I think is a downfall of this game is there's nothing is optional really. Right. Like you have to, you know, scrape every little bit of power and, and that you can out of it. So we're definitely in, in the home stretch at this point, where you're like you're you're heading up to the uh, uh, Drake Tower because it has a helicopter to bring you to his volcano lair. Yeah, <laughs> um, and the Drake Tower. This introduces um, a whole other game. Hey kids, do you like Minesweeper? <laughs> yeah, it's it, the hacking in this game is a really simplified version of yeah. the hacking. Um, you can hack earlier than this. So yes, it you doesn't, can. Like Cole's, Cole's saying it introduces it. And if, you're, if you've been doing it, which you, sh- you should be, because you get a lot of money through doing it earlier. Uh, maybe like 5,000. You get, 5, you get some total. money from doing 5,000 new yen is not insignificant in those early yeah, parts of the game. Yeah, like, I suppose. If, if you're pro tipping it like I did, you can hack in the very first town you're in and get 1,000 new yen, which is really useful. Yeah. Um, so you can hack earlier than this. But if you did, if you missed it, this is the first place where it's essential, I think, is, is really the point. And uh, it's this weird overhead minesweeper thing um but you don't have to play it like minesweeper like no. you get to a node and you know how many around you but you're not penalized that much for attacking where there isn't a node mm-hmm. then you lose one hit point yeah so you just kind of walk forward attack walk forward attack walk forward attack and uh it's just measuring whether you hit so if you hit the enemy that's just dependent on your computer skill mm-hmm. if you hit the enemy you you destroy whatever ice is in that node i was thinking like man i would be really pissed if i didn't know that i needed computers to progress at this point yeah but like like computer it's a re- it's relatively cheap to to, to upgrade it maxes right? out at six yeah so, so um, the most it can take i think is like whatever i the uh, the math principle for that of like what one plus two plus three plus four plus five plus six is yeah um you know i can't remember what that is that's but, sig- uh, the, the sigma of it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um but I think I think it'll end up being like something like twenty four or twenty five mm-hmm. points total to max it out, which is not that much. Roughly five and, minutes in the catacombs to get that. Yeah, yeah, but. absolutely. And and you have to max it out because this is a tough. I mean, you can get through this part with like with computer skill, like you know four or five. But when you get to the Aneki building, you really need computer six, yeah. or you're going to be fucked. Yeah, I um, mean, it, like it, it goes so much faster if you have the ability to take out the ice. Um, yeah, because you can navigate and it's fun. Like I, I tried it. I was kind of like, I'd like to logic my way through this. And I whipped out my graph paper and, you know, mm-hmm. did that just because I just wanted to do it. I, even though I was in a time crunch, it's like, I want to try this. Um, and I actually didn't know that you were able to, to defeat the ice. And I got frustrated because there, like there, there are some boards where all the data stores are surrounded by ice. I'm like, how do I get around this? It's like, yeah. oh, you press B to get that. I was like, wow, this could, this is much easier. Yeah. <laughs> the, this was this is one thing, and I I, can't, I don't think that you ever found much joy in the Genesis like sh- no. uh, hacking game, but I think that that one's much better. Like yeah. that one's essentially uh, like uplink, and this is just I mean it's Minesweeper, which is fun, but uh, this was a, a major downgrade to that one. Like I feel like that hacking game is really complicated and neat, but again, just in like you said, like introducing a whole new game partway through, <laughs> like they're both kind of you know almost robust enough to be to be a game, but this would be a game that comes with Windows, and that one would be uplink. Right. Yeah. Like just in, in both of these games, it's like that island in the Philippines. It's an island on a lake in an island on a lake in an island. 
Yeah. Or something like yeah. that. Just These like, aromas onions. Yes, exactly. Wheels within wheels. <laughs> um. <laughs> but uh, um, it, it's one of those things. Like, if if the uh, hacking in the Genesis version was as easy to understand as mm-hmm. this one was, and like as easy to play, like, I, I wish, I almost wish there was like some kind of compromise between the two of them because I found the metaphor in, in Genesis to be so inscrutable as to like just be something yeah. I wouldn't, I, I couldn't even think of approaching it. Um, they whereas both, in they this, both communicate what to do like really poorly. Like neither, neither one tells you how to do what you're supposed to do. Right. So like maybe I don't want like a Navi telling me what to do, but like right. a, a tutorial on the Genesis one would have probably yeah. fixed a lot of it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, you can this is also though like hacking is really important in this part because not only do you do it to unlock elevators but this is where you're getting all of the backstory is through these data files yes and this is where it all really kind of comes home to roost and you find out what the actual kind of macro plot of the game is mm-hmm. you also get a ton of freaking money at this point and like I yeah. left about halfway through to get the assault rifle and uh, the partial jacket just because yeah. I got enough money to do that but those data stores like it's you can get through the game and not understand anything or you can read those and actually figure out what's up. Yeah, not that the plot is like that complicated yeah. or anything like that. It's just the you know, but this is where you first find you know hear about Aneki, um, and you hear about uh, kind of what you you were doing and the, this whole yeah. idea that you had you know you had that that program to destroy the AI. It was protected by that cortex or that data store and that cortex bomb, which I love that the cortex bomb was not was never meant to blow you up. It was just to protect this thing and yeah. Rubidub just fucked it up. <laughs> and that's it. Like, I mean, there's, there's no, uh, you know, that was never a fail safe by, you know, the people who put this, this thing in you are, are good guys, <laughs> right? Like it's um, the scientist you find at, uh, at the volcano layer. Do we ever, I, maybe I missed something big. Like who hired you in this? Uh, matrix, not in, matrix systems. Matrix that's, systems. Yeah. That's, that's, that's who you worked for. Yeah. But you never run into those guys. No, no. They, like, like, they, they just sent you to take out this AI, but, They've been destroyed by 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 Drake or Aneki at that point. Gotcha. And then at that yeah. point, you're carrying out your mission because it's otherwise they're going to control the Matrix. Yes. And that's a that's a, a bad. Mm-hmm. That is that, a bad. That is a bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So 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 this you, you just go up and down the elevator. Each of the floors is relatively simple. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the, most of the puzzles in this at this point are walk to walk in one direction, find a computer. Um, get the password for the other one and then activate the, uh, activate the elevator and, and a computer in the other room. And as you progress, the, the, the enemies in the rooms get more numerous and more difficult. Right. And luckily they don't, uh, enemies still respawn, I believe, but you can also, after you've unlocked a floor, you can go all the way up to it. Right. So you can, you get, once you get up to the roof, you can go back up and down the elevator in one fell swoop without doing all the interstitial stages. Mm-hmm. Um, this sends you to the volcano layer. Um, and this is also the point where you can call Drake. Like you put together his phone number. Um, and you can have that delightful Armitage you thing and find out he's a dragon. Um, you end up at the volcano layer, which is really invisibility's time to shine. Yes. Uh, because the, the boss the, or the enemies in this area are really tough. There are lots of turrets that are really tough. And you fight lots of guys at once. And this is the most maze-like area that you have to navigate. Yeah, I find in order to find the computers that unlock the elevator again, yeah. like everyone locks their their elevators, the computers, and that's mostly <laughs> what you're using computers for in this part of the game. Yes, um, like the the thing that really irritated me about this, I like the dungeon and I like just kind of how epic it feels to go through it. It really feels mm-hmm. like a final dungeon to me. Um, mm-hmm. But you, you know, there's it, it's it's so resource intensive, yeah. right? And if you don't have 
enough MP to cast freeze at the end of this, you have to slog all the way back out, take the helicopter to downtown, rest, and then come back and just, you know, make your run through. Again, again, hiring a mage. Yeah, to go with you is not a, lo- a, bad idea. a lot of this is problems that I made for myself because I just didn't want to bother hiring people. Yeah, which is fine <laughs> because it's such a huge risk, and you don't really you kind of trial and error your way through who's worth hiring and who isn't. Yeah, but having somebody who can cast all your invisibilities for the first part and not really worrying if they die on the end boss fight mm-hmm. um, makes this the lead up to this kind of doable. Um, the actual volcano when you run into Drake is a really pretty tough. You know, there aren't that many bosses in this game. No. Um, and this is one of the, the tougher ones. Um, there's kind of two ways to get through it. So you can do, like Cole said, where you uh, you freeze him. So you use the Jester's Mask, and uh, that freezes him and does a lot of damage to him. So you can get up close to him, because he's casting ice in kind of random intervals throughout his lair. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can uh, uh, freeze him and kill him. You can also, in this lair, you get the, the Naga scales. You fight a Naga. Okay. And if you take that back to the dog, you can get an armor spell. And armor will also make you immune to his fire breath. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, you still get stunlocked, so it's still difficult, but it's the alternative to freeze if you don't want to freeze him for some reason. Yeah. Um, or if you missed one of the items that give you freeze earlier, armor will also do it. But you cannot beat him without dealing with his fire breath because it does tons of damage. It's, you know, it stunlocks you. It's and, uh, like I it's got insane. one-shotted by it a couple of times. Yeah, and, and, yeah. Try, and trying to do that. And I can't imagine trying to play this without save states because it would kick Absolutely. you all the way back to downtown. And yeah, oh, God. And super frustrating. Yeah. The, uh, and, and I don't even like when I was younger, I would make. So this time I knew that I had this coming up and I did all my grinding and stuff ahead of time. But where you have to keep coming here and coming back, you know, dry, walking all the way back, doing the dungeon in multiple trips. Um, that's really obnoxious. The, the Naga that we mentioned is a good place to farm for karma as well. Um, if you don't pick up his scales after you kill him, you can kill him over and over again. Oh. He's not too tough, and he gives you, I think, seven karma every time you kill him. Holy crap. So you can kind of leave <laughs> and go, yeah. So it, it happens really, like, that's a, that's the, it's unlocked really late, but that's another really good karma farming spot. Huh. Um, but after you after you beat uh, beat Drake at this point, you know, you meet this scientist. I can't remember his name. Plis- or, and not, 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 not Pliskin. That's that's Escape from New York. Puffkins or, or, uh, or Pushkin. Pushkin, there we yeah. go. Puffkins would have been a cuter scientist. <laughs> Puffkins, how good little Puffkins. <laughs> Puffkins, the scientist. Um, <laughs> yes, he, um, the, uh, but he tells you kind of that you know you need to go after Aneki. Um, one of the other things that happens here is you get a data file that um, mentions an NPC called Akimi, who is a mm-hmm. mage, and they say that she's really powerful and, and Drake's scared of her, and uh, she's the the kind of the Uber shadow runner you can hire. Yeah. Um, her and Steelflight are the two that if you want to take two with you into this tower. Um, Steelflight is a decker. Um, he's not quite good enough to take on the computers at Aneki, but he's a good combat character. Uh-huh. And then um, Akimi um, will save you your mana. So you can use your mana to heal after Matrix runs, and she can keep everybody invisible and while you fire your way through Aneki Tower. Huh. So I, I feel pretty hardcore for having gone through this alone and like yeah. not never having died, actually, in any yeah. of the combat. Um, it depends. I mean, you, at this point, you've got the, the if you've got the full body suit and the, yeah. and the uh, assault the, cannon. Yeah. yeah, assault cannon. Like you do a lot of damage. It's not too hard. Mm-hmm. What ends up happening at this point is there's this weird shift where the rooms and the enemies you fight are less likely to hurt you than the matrix because yeah. your armor doesn't work in the matrix, mm-hmm. and you have to use most of your resources to heal after doing these matrix uh, runs. That's what I found. Yeah. 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 But I had computer um, maxed out, so it's just one of those. Yeah, not too things. bad. 
Yeah. And if you have high health, if you've been putting a lot of points in the body. I think I, I think I ended up with like 13 points in body, something like that. Yeah, which is plenty. Yeah. I think it maxes out at 20. Okay. Um, but yeah, wow. 13 is, is fine. That's more than you would um, ever need. <laughs> Yeah. No. Yeah. You don't. You, you don't. You don't need it. Yeah. Um, um, I, I like how there's a mini boss in this area that shows up out of nowhere. Just auto. Auto. Yeah. <laughs> Otto's gonna he has, get he has you. tons of unique dialogue. Yeah. yeah. Auto's gonna smash your skull. Like auto. <laughs> tons of tons of unique dialogue from Auto the Troll. Um, and he's not really even a mini boss. He's kind of the young boss of the game. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I mean, you guess the real emboss is the the last system because you actually go into the AI, mm-hmm. but uh, it's not too tough. It's not really tougher than the ones leading up to it. I, I love how the most advanced AI computer in the world has an oscilloscope on it. Yeah, it's it's like a Fallout crossover. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's a very Falloutish touch. Yeah. But um, you go in, and, and it's a it's a big board. It's not really that complicated. Like a lot of the boards that you encounter in this building, they're 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 pretty complex in that there's lots of paths and things like that there's a lot you, you can make things hard on yourself if you don't plan out your moves uh but in mm-hmm. this one it's just there's a lot of ice and it's laid out in a really geometric pattern um right yeah so it's actually yeah. easy to predict where stuff is going to be if you're if you're keeping track of where these things are but it's pretty anticlimactic as far as yeah. as far as end bosses go and speaking yeah. of end bosses, after you know, after you get this and the building goes all self destruct, you know, Resident Evil style, um, it, it it goes into a cutscene. But the cutscene is you walking onto a roof and shooting a bunch of dudes. Yeah, and it's like you've been uh, of all. Uh, that's how I, I got I here. I can do this. Shadowrun. <laughs> like, like even do it with a timer. I don't care. That that that'd be sweet. You know, <laughs> you know. But just kind of like, yeah. why would you like? That's such a weird decision to wrestle control away from you. Like here, um, yeah. let me let me cut my let me cut your steak for you. Like, uh. <laughs> so the so the ultimate enemy of this game, Armitage kills him, but you don't. <laughs> right, right. In a weird, like never never take control. It's like that dear Esther thing, where it's yeah. like I mean I don't want to spoil it too much, but there's a point in which that game rests control of you that I hate that they did that. Yeah, and it's like the one thing that stops that game from being perfect. Yeah, like uh, really frustrating. Like never never do that. Never. Uh, there's also a thing that The Walking Dead taught us is that like. <laughs> Like you need to make every decision, even if it's just pressing a button. Like making you actually tap the button is important. Yeah. Um, so that's that's frustrating. Yeah. But then you you jump onto a helicopter, uh, fly it around over the credits, <laughs> and then you kind of do like a link to the past guest. Uh, go back and visit some of your either it's like a flashback where you're actually fighting your battles again, or you're visiting them afterwards. It's kind of unclear. Yeah. Because some things that are previously dead are back to life. Mm-hmm. At this point, I think it's a flashback, but the flashback dude fought a lot shittier than I did. <laughs> yeah, well, and well, and you can do information like they actually say new things. Like the the jester's like, you know, did you know my name or was it a guess? And he's like yeah. taunting you. It's really strange. Um, and then the you know you get to go through all of it. It shows the the cast of Shadowrunners. <laughs> and they all stand into a spotlight and just fire a gun twice. It's like it's like Mario too. Uh, like they're they're coming out. They're 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 pl- we are all players in a play. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and the final scene is with the uh, the the two morticians, and uh, or you you run into Drake, and Drake says, "We'll we'll meet again in Shadowrun 2. which is just the uh, best thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, um, which I mean, even so, I would would have loved it if there was a Shadowrun two. Uh-huh. Um, did they really need to tell Drake's story anymore? Like, was he that <laughs> compelling of a of a villain? Like, if there was a Shadowrun two, I'd much rather have them move on to something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, then you end up with the morticians, and then that's that's Shadowrun. You have beaten Shadowrun. <laughs> that, that that is the game. 
Hooray, you're done. Yep. I, 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 I love how this suffers from a very particular RPG problem where they give you way too many resources in the final dungeon to like so, mm-hmm. to, to where it won't do you any good. In the, in the second to last room of the game, you can get, I think, 80,000 Nuyen. Yeah. Which, yeah. like, yeah, you can go and buy the assault cannon and the, and the full body suit, but like it doesn't do you any good at this point because you likely will have gotten that already. So. If you didn't have it already, it would make sense if like there was a really tough fight at that point, and they were just right. trying to ensure that you had it. But that's not what's going on, no. um, you know, which is frustrating. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's 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 pretty annoying. Um, I don't know, like in playing this, like obviously I had a lot of affection for this as a, as a youngster, played it a whole lot, and playing again for the show, like tons of the cracks showed, like it's it's a problem game. It's hard for me to I don't hate it. Like I don't dislike this game. Like I actually think it's kind of a, a cool game. Mm-hmm. But mostly because it's so weird and I don't can't really think of another game like it. So it's hard to actually recommend playing, but it's also <laughs> not I don't want to say it's a bad game. Like I think this is kind of a good game. It's just uh really strange and has some real serious rough edges. I liked it. I I don't know where it comes out in the balance between Shadowrun Genesis and Shadowrun SNES, you know, like, like which one comes out better to me. Um, I think that mm-hmm. I intellectually appreciate Shadowrun Genesis more like as a better game with more stuff to do. And, uh, you know, you have a little bit more agency, but I think that I liked my experience playing this one better. Um, there's like, a, weird, I, there's I a little it. bit more progression in this one. Yeah. Like there's a little bit more, like, even though you spend a lot of time grinding in both of them, like there's only a few areas in the Genesis one that are important. Like the actual main quest is shorter. Whereas this one, you spend more time, you cover more real estate in, in what you're doing. And even though the story in this one is really, really elementary, um, it's kind of told in a more direct fashion. Mm-hmm. Than the, the Genesis one, whereas like the Genesis one, there's also not very much to the story, but you get a lot of kind of side stuff through like doing optional things to yeah. learn a little bit more about it. Um, the Genesis one, I think, is more ambitious yeah. as far as like doing things that would later become like the, the, the Genesis one is like not an evolutionary dead end, whereas this one is really unique and weird, but kind of, you know, they didn't make another game that like really plays like this. Yeah. Um, after this, and 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 it feels like this is this is a PC game trapped in a trapped in an SNES game's body, right? Yeah. Like just yeah. The, this would have been at home on you know DOS or Amiga or something like that, where yeah. just just the input method would have would have made sense, and and to where these kind of tropes of going around and talking to everybody and using everything with everything, like just it would have made it would have made more sense there and i think that it probably would have um f- yeah if f- i found a better home there like a you know, more of a, more of its audience right yeah all right agreed yeah um so again hard to recommend but if you're like a fan of the genre or mm-hmm. if you are just kind of collecting super weird super nintendo you know experiences i'd yeah. say check it out um as a youngster like i came to this you know, based on like in the pen and paper game, I came to this one before the Genesis one. Um, and uh, just, I love the shit out of both of them when I was younger, mm-hmm. just then it might've just been that Stockholm syndrome. Like you like, you, you know, uh, when you're, when you're a kid, like it's love the one you're with, <laughs> you know, any, good, any love is good love. Um, any number of seventies uh, platitudes <laughs> um, applied to video games. Yeah. And uh, you know, I just sank untold hours in this game, like searching for secrets and stuff. Like the the main quest stuff is so inscrutable in this that it suggested to me that there would be other things if I explored. Yeah. So I mean, I did talk to everyone about everything because I thought 
the rest of the game it kind of taught me like there is stuff to be fun to be found but yeah. uh the optimal path actually makes it really short and that's not really the case yeah so yeah yeah play it give it a shot yeah yeah at least pick it up and check out like a weird super weird interface and, and stuff <laughs> near the end like the interface stopped bothering me at all yeah like it too. just like just kind of makes a sense you know yeah um you learn to like, speak usually language. controlling a cur- yeah like usually controlling a cursor with a controller is, is just the worst but you know same thing with like maniac mansion for nes like once mm-hmm. you get used to it you know you just kind of get used to it and it's not a big deal yeah As we mentioned at the beginning, uh, we are being sponsored by Audible.com. This episode is brought to you by that. And for you, the listeners of our uh, beloved Watch Out for Fireballs podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to uh, check out their services. And uh, as usual, we would like to recommend either a book that we really like or um, a book that is thematically appropriate. And uh, I'm going to do both at this point. So if you use that mm-hmm. link, uh, you can go and download for free Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. Um, mm-hmm. Neuro- Neuromancer is the father of, uh, of, of of cyberpunk, but Snow Crash is that book's uh, younger, edgier, funnier, goofier uh, cousin. That deals mm-hmm. with more uh, uh, Japanophilia than uh, Neuromancer does, and uh, also has this crazy uh, this crazy thesis, which is that religion is a socially transmitted uh, information virus, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it talks a lot yeah, about I, like, I like bi- bi- biolinguistics and things like that. Uh, there's a crazy cult leader, um, you know, that's it has the precursor to Second Life. I feel like it has a better um, approximation of like what the internet would be. Um, and like the weird social structure that kind of evolves around different people's ability to afford it. It's just a really cool book. Um, so go on there, check it out. Um, I recommend you're either going to love it or hate it because of how goofy it is, but, uh, I'm on the love it side. So yeah, to get that or any other free audiobook of your choosing, you can go to audibletrial.com slash watch out for fireballs. Once again, that is audibletrial.com slash watch out for fireballs for your free audiobook. Yep. I, I don't have anything to add to that. I haven't read uh, Snow Crash. I have read Neuromancer and it's uh, I like it a lot, but it's a little bit hard to read. It gets sloggy in the middle. Yep. And uh, if you're interested in just kind of going back to the history, maybe an audiobook would make that uh, that part feel like a breeze. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, definitely uh, definitely recommend it there. And uh, yeah. Uh, so you've heard what we have to say about uh, the SNES Shadowrun and we want to hear what you have to say. Um, you can go ahead and let us know. You can get a hold of us on the contact form on the website, through the Facebook group, through Twitter, um, through the Something Awful thread that a lot of uh, friends are on. Um, there's email, um, which is uh, watchoutforfireballs at duckfeed.tv. Um, there's a voicemail that Cole will say right now. Yes, that is 419-834-WOFF. Not a lot of action on there um, as of recent, but we are always watching for that, any responses that you might have to offer. It's super easy, and uh, you can keep your name anonymous if you'd like. We will accommodate you, um, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you'd yeah. like to. Yeah, We'd love to, love to get some voicemails in there. Like, I always like it when we can cut in audio yes. uh, from, from you guys. Um, so this first response comes from Al. Um, the uh, the something awful message board, um, and Al says, <clears throat> "Where the Genesis version of Shadowrun, with its open-ended character design in an open world, is is to be made of the future, the SNES version seems to be made of dead ends. It's a bad adventure game with bad cursor-based combat, and it also manages to be grindy somehow. I've tried to play it several times because I love the Genesis game so much, but every time I've abandoned it after realizing that it, I wasn't having any fun playing it." 
Um, so, you know, uh, fair. Uh, very damning. And yeah. I understand, like, if you co- come into it, you know, thinking... I actually came into the opposite, where I had the SNES version first, and mm-hmm. I, I thought the Genesis version was a port of it, and was delighted <laughs> to find that it was different. But Right. Yeah. yeah. It, I would agree. Not, this game doesn't do anything perfectly, or uh, super well. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't I can't disagree with anything Al says, um, but uh, I had a similar experience, like when I came to it um, a little bit later in life as a, um, you know, just emu- emulating it. I was kind of like, ah, I don't really feel like understanding this, the point and click thing. I don't really get it uh, the way the way it's implemented. So I really dropped it. So it, it definitely it's a it's a hard sell if you're just basing it on yeah. everything up to when you get your uh, get, you know, get get your purpose. You know, and, and find right. your apartment. It's it suffers from like this game suffers from the the fact that like and I've said it before like where you know I don't want you know games like don't threaten me with boredom and don't threaten me with you know these kind of things because there's just it seems like you know I have so many games to play that I really want to play and mm-hmm. uh, games I play for the show like there's not really room for like a B minus game mm-hmm. you know in in my in my play schedule and uh this game you know if i hadn't come upon it when i was was younger and and all games kind of got an you know i was grading on a curve mm-hmm. at that point you know so all yeah. games kind of got bumped up a letter grade um based on that but otherwise the uh you know this is like it's probably a b minus game it's probably not worth your time so yeah. but uh yeah it doesn't it doesn't look well compared to all the other options yeah you know? it doesn't look well it doesn't, doesn't look, look great it doesn't look well superman does well sick. gary superman does well um yes <laughs> but, but um let's see here blaine nemier i'm, I'm gonna say that blaine nemier on uh facebook uh says i love this game as a kid it was everything i wanted an rpg with no sign of silent a hero teen or sword wielding elves eh, jake is pretty quiet <laughs> sorry yeah that, that's true but he's not a teen oh that's true um instead it was a game based on the nearish future with hacking magic vampires and a silent hero in his mid-20s to late 30s also gun wielding elves still it was a different enough it was different enough for me to be one of my favorites at the time however much like rewatching the goonies replaying this was kind of disappointing why is everyone shooting at me why do i have to find a bed to level up why are people in the future still using giant computer monitors the controls suck with an SNES controller. It feels more like it should have been done with a mouse. The story is more or less non-existent, and there are points in the game that can just screw you. Oops, I set off a time bomb in your head. All that aside, I fucking love this game, but it's more than likely due 100% to nostalgia. Also, I still love the Goonies. Um, yeah. So it sounds like you and Blaine are simpatico. Yeah, me, me and Blaine are, are super bros. Uh, we're shadow bros. <laughs> super bros, sword and sorcery. <laughs> yeah yeah we, we are we i'm sword and he has sorcery yes um and uh, this like i we have the same experience and i'm glad you pulled out of the because like, i think the goonies kind of holds up pretty well yeah um like so, i really like the goonies but maybe it is nostalgia maybe i don't know i would have i would have uh, like gone with uh the sandlot but okay as one that you're is, a little bit younger than i am i think because like by the time the sandlot came out i knew that was dumb shit <laughs> but uh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah i was like who, who's i hate that kid in the sandlot that little red-haired monster yeah yeah he's in there's like a baseball or like a, a soccer version of the sandlot that mm-hmm. i saw as well it's very similar to the sandlot yeah that's like the most annoying little fucker and i'm yeah, glad he, that his career like he was died he was one of those people who was ubiquitous in those movies in the in the in the 90s and then just disappeared like he's probably yeah. in some kind of indie rock band with Jenny Lewis at this point, but um, 
No, no way. No, like, no. There's, there's that guy. That guy isn't isn't a shallow grave outside of Las Vegas. Like, <laughs> there's no way that guy is, has had any success in life. That guy's an annoying little shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you brought up the Sandlot because I've never had a medium to talk about how fucking annoying I think that kid is. But he goddamn sucks. Yep. Like, <laughs> oh man. But that that that, that <laughs> huge computer monitors thing is kind of funny too because uh, if you go back and read Neuromancer, like apparently a, a big deal went sour and just kind of like oh gosh this was unprecedented because somebody was buying four megabytes of RAM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like whatever you conjecture about the future, like you're going to seem like an idiot yeah. if you use the terms of the present. You except, know? except for Star um, Wars, except for Star Trek, they they kind of they, they 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 come out pretty well in the in that equation. They, they, they come out they come out all right because they don't really talk about specifics no no like, and, and they're shooting so far into the future that it, yeah yeah hmm. no. um finally uh john solnier on facebook um he says i thought the parts where you do the computer matrix ice hacking stuff were pretty cool as long as you're making a lot of save states and have the emulator frame skip set to like i don't know 10 to 1 oh wait that's the other shadow run. So <laughs> thank you, John. We'll thank go back you. and insert that into episode seven. Yep. Um, director's cut. But, <laughs> yep. Yeah. We'll make, we'll make a director's cut of that. Yep. Um, yeah. And that is, uh, that's what we got. Yeah. And, uh, We're yeah. Going uh, to hack into the deliberation computer. Yeah. <laughs> I can think of a good one for that either. Um, so I thought that was pretty let's good. Actually, let's go, let's go write our answer in with a knife on the forehead of that kid from the Sandlot. Backwards. So he has to read every day in the mirror. He remembers what a terrible failure he is. <laughs> let's go do that. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll okay. we have a lawyer on retainer for that kind Whoever of stuff. Whoever wins, too. that guy loses. <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls. So, so we have jacked out of the uh, the four megabytes of of deliberation matrix, and uh, we're here to tell you that we are the twin conductors on the Blaine train. Yes, uh, we we're, are. Gonna, <laughs> we're, gonna get, we're gonna ride the Blaine train all the way to Winsville. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, Blaine, um, you have won a copy of our next game, which is uh, uh we just thought yours was you know the most thoughtful response, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the. Uh, uh, brought up a lot of the issues that we also brought up during that. Um, you have, if you like it, you want a copy of Parasite Eve, which is the next game we're doing. Um, if you have a device that will play it, a PS3 or a PSP, um, and that is the next game we're doing. So if you already have that, or you don't want to play it, or you want something else, just let us know. Um, we will give you another equivalent giftable. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, thank you for uh, thanks for participating. Thank you so much. Um, just so you know, that actor's name is Patrick Renna. Um, he was born in 1979, and he is a Scientologist. Oh, of course he is. Okay. I feel <laughs> like I we're going to get sued. We're going to get sued. Don't. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they're like sued if we're lucky. Like Scientologists actually come and murder you. Yes, they so do. We're going to be like people yeah. who did those color fields for Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to open shallow graves outside of Las Vegas. Exactly. Yeah, they get to declare a fair game. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, so um, speaking of crazy science, um, Parasite Eve is coming up, and that concludes our run of crazy sci-fi games. Um, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, 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 the fall 2012 jam. Uh, winter 2012 jam really um and then after that we are going to be doing uh something that is completely totally opposite of the past couple games we've done um don't look excluded i suppose yoshi's island for the snes uh super mario world 2 which is a delightful game uh you can get that on wii for like eight dollars i think um yeah the uh, game boy advanced port of it is free for 3ds ambassadors 
Um, there are a lot of ways to get that now, which wasn't always the case. Like for a long time, that was a really infamous missing in action Nintendo download game, yeah. and tragically so, um, because it looks awesome. It does a lot of really cool things with uh, Mode Seven graphics, and uh, I'm a, I think we're both really really big fans of that game. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to play through it. Yeah, me too. That is going to feel really good. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, we are doing another special episode, which is not uh, game dependent. And we're doing an episode on music, video game music and video game sound. So we're going to be talking about uh, some of our favorite uh, video game music. We're going to be talking about, you know, kind of composition and, uh, you know, as that, as that applies to, to video games. We're going to be talking about um, games with specifically excellent sound design. Um, and this is going to be a very heavy audience participation yes. episode of the show. So we'd really like um, you know to, to hear from you about your favorite songs and favorite mm-hmm. tracks and why and favorite sing gong or sing gong like what, am I t- what the fuck <laughs> the, 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 the Chinese think, one Gary, Gary the stop. Chinese one think of each word before you say it uh, <laughs> oh, slow, slow down oh, starting the race wars right you now you disappointed your daughter <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the, the boogeyman. So, um, sorry, you it's, made uh, Maggie cry. Um, yeah. So the uh, you know we want to hear about your favorite songs and favorite sound designs, and uh, it's going to be a heavy audience participation episode. So we'll probably have a, a lengthy extra episode with just like lots of clips and stuff that stuff that you guys like. Um, I'm really looking forward to doing that. It's been a, a special episode that um, I've actually like had in mind before we did the special episode on arcades. Mm-hmm. So before special episodes were a thing, um, <laughs> this was something I wanted to do. Yeah. And then after that, we are going to be doing a, another two-parter about uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, I don't know if we have had a discussion about this, but I'm going to declare it unilaterally. Um, uh, but uh, uh, I think that the War of the Lions port is, uh, is, is fair game for this. Yeah. Is that... I, a- I agree. Um, I'm considering playing through the original because I played through the War of the Lions port twice since oh, it's yeah. been out. And it's been a while since I played with the original translation. Oh yeah, uh, which is pretty fun. I think the War of the Lions port is really great. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm by no means a hater um, mm-hmm. of that. The slowdown is not really affecting to me. It doesn't really bother me. And the uh, improved translation is a lot is really good. The extra hidden characters are really great. Being able to play it on iOS is really handy. Yeah, um, all are advantages. So I'm still not sure what I'm going to do. But both versions are available um, pretty easily. Yeah. Um, either through the PlayStation Network or on iOS. Yes, and. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that as one of my favorite games. Mm-hmm. Um, I, as, as I just mentioned, I played through it twice in the War of the Lions and probably played through it three times on PlayStation. I really like this game. Um, you know, tons of uh, – it's essentially like if you haven't played it, the kind of shorthand thesis I'm working on now <laughs> before revisiting it is that it's character creation in the game. Yes. Because the entire – you know, it's, it's all about creating a build. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the mechanic in the game. And you get so many options for that. It's my favorite expression of the Final Fantasy job system. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot more than I like Final Fantasy V. Um, so it's yeah. a really great game. Yeah, that's what I'm going to Chris Farley about quite a bit. So Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's all we're comfortable announcing so far. Um, there are plans forming off in the mist, and we would recommend that you go to, uh, you know, duckfeed.tv slash watch out for fireballs and use the suggest a game widget. Uh, we're taking those and you know putting them into consideration. Uh, so yeah. yeah, so um, are we ready to make some uh, some announcements, Gary? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we we've, we've got some major announcements um, we're going to make here, and uh, let's do the WAF one first. Okay. Yeah, let's let's you know let's let's tease them a little bit. So likely by the time you are listening to this, uh, we will have an app available on uh, mm-hmm. on on the uh, on the old app stores. 
both Android and uh, iOS, which will let you, you know, subscribe to our shows and, you know, get all of that content, do streaming, etc. But the biggest benefit to getting this app for you will be the bonus content. Now, we batted yeah. the idea back and forth to, you know, make the episodes bonus content or something like that. But uh, we don't want to take away content that's already out there. So what we decided uh, was to make something new and put yeah. it out there first. So, Gary, tell them what, we're, what we uh, planned. Yeah, so we're, we're going to do kind of a, a new new mini show um, that's only going to be available to people who do who get the app, um, at least initially. So yeah. we're still trying to figure out if we're going to make these available. Ultimately, um, I'm not totally sure, but we want to incentivize it because it's going to cost money. Um, we don't want people who are fine with iTunes just to be, you know, uh, to be punished, if, if, but if you if you like, if you need to go outside of iTunes, you want to do this app. Um, we want to make it, you know, something you get for your money. So we're we're starting a show that's kind of an extension of the YouTube channel called uh, Abject Suffering with Gary and Cole, um, <laughs> which is going to be a the audience participation p- portion of the show is going to be uh, listeners of the show voting um, and creating kind of a database of terrible uh, emulatable games. So SNES, Genesis, um, NES, all those things are fair game. Um, anything we can emulate. And we want you to fucking let us have it. So if you want us to to play Lester of the Unlikely, um, if you want us to play, Fester's I don't know. Quest. Fester's, yeah, Fester's Quest, a lot of things that come up uh, commonly, um, we will play them. And we will. it's not going to be, it's going to be different than the YouTube channel um, where uh, we, we will both play them and we're going to talk about them for... You know, it's probably not going to be a long show. We're not going to do like a whole episode about them. Uh, maybe a, a half hour or so, but uh, it's going to have its own theme music. It's going to be its own thing, and it's just going to be available through the app. So, and it's going to be something where if you want to get revenge on us, like uh, for some reason or another, um, despite the fact that we're relatively nice dudes and we, <laughs> you know, we put we 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 create this wonderful thing that we all love and enjoy. <laughs> but if you're like, you know what? Uh, Gary doesn't like that guy from the Sandlot. I'm that fucking guy from the Sandlot. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get to pay, play Phalanx yeah. um, for SNES. Then we will play Phalanx for the SNES <laughs> and uh, and talk about it. Yes. Um, we're not going to beat these games. No, no. So Because fuck you. And we are not, but we are going to give them a, a fair shake. Mm-hmm. Um, so this yes. is kind of the, you know, we always are very wary about crossing over to angry video game nerd territory. We don't like, we don't go into any game thinking we're going to hate it. Mm-hmm. So even the games that we hated, we we go into thinking we're going to like, or there's going to be something interesting of them, you know, whether they're sacrifice or lit sort of mountain, no matter what they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is the the opportunity to go into things that are absolutely shit and, uh, <laughs> and just and have license. Ravage them. Yes. So that is abject suffering. Yep. Is is the name of that show. And we will end up uh, going off topic and it's just going to be kind of extra sody, but also about the thing. Yeah. And just at least for the time being only available through the app. Yeah. So that is announcement number one. Um, Mm -hmm. And announcement number two is probably a bigger thing, likely Mm -hmm. a bigger thing. Um, And we're, we're, we're excited about it. We've been hinting at this for a while and some people have actually guessed what it is because it's a pretty predictable move, but uh, sometimes things are predictable because they're actually a really good idea. Um, And that's what we'd like to think this is. Uh, We're announcing a new program being brought to the network called um, bonfire side chat, an undead favorite, an undead favorite. Yes. Yes. Um, This is a tour of Lordran, which is the world of dark souls. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
it's pretty much exactly what you would expect it to be. Uh, we are going to pick uh, levels, and you know, we, we've divided Dark Souls up into discrete chunks that we are going to play and uh, talk about and go really into depth about our experience with it and the lore and the world that you're kind of going through. It's your tour guide through this uh, through this area. Yeah. The, ni- the nice part is, um, we, we you know our, our intention is to go through Dark Souls, then go through Demon Souls, and then when Dark Souls Two comes out. That is going to be its thing, you know. That, that that's where that discussion is going to live, and that will be really interesting because it will be we'll be going into it blind. Yes. Whereas we're both kind of Dark Souls veterans at this point, mm-hmm. um, by no means experts, but we've both gone through the game, you know, once and and uh, know the areas yes. fairly well. Um, this 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 game, you know, we both feel I came into the party a little bit late, but we both feel that this game warrants this kind of examination. Like I feel like the design of this game is deep enough to to where every individual section is trying to teach you something or trying to present you with a new array of challenges. And uh, I want to get really into that. So it's not going to be exactly the same as Fireballs where we just kind of talk about, you know, the plot of each area. We're not going to go moment to moment, but we're going to kind of try to take the macro view. So we're going to talk about, you know, specific experiences and get kind of into the lore. Like the the lore in Dark Souls is very uh, hidden and very easy to miss. Mm -hmm. But once you actually start peeling away layers, it's really awesome. Yeah. And we both really like that. Um, the other kind of hook to this is that we're going to attempt to, and we don't have all the specifics yet, but get uh, some guests on this. And this yes. is going to range from just people we know who are, who are friends, um, some fans of the show, and then also some podcast luminaires. Um, and we're going to try to get – there's a couple of people who are kind of Dark Souls uh, YouTube experts um, that we're going to try to get on board. Um, that, you know, we're gonna, I'm going to put an asterisk next to that because since that's dependent on other people and other people's schedules, the degree to which we can make that happen is out of our control. Right. Um, and we are going to keep this on a set schedule, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's going to come out at a, you know, a decent clip. So it's going to be every two weeks, um, starting with the new year. Um, and so we just want to let you know that that's going to be, you know, you might hear some other voices on here that you've never heard before. And maybe some you've heard from other podcasts and stuff. So, yeah. um, it's going to be neat. I think it's going to be a really fun uh, show, and I really wanted an excuse to play more Dark Souls. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and uh, you know, like I said, it's no it's no real mystery. Astute listeners who listen to how much we talked about it during like extrasode stuff and everything, like already guessed. And, <laughs> and it's yeah. and people who noticed that, huh, that last episode didn't have any Dark Souls in it. <laughs> yeah, it's because I cut it all out because I didn't want to cannibalize from our future selves. <laughs> exactly. um, but we, I mean, we did we did talk about it quite a bit. So I'm super yeah. excited. I think you know, who knows how well the show will do in those terms like i don't i know there are probably people who listen to this who don't play that game but we would like to turn them into people who have played that game right it's an opportunity to start like a discussion about uh something that's kind of a different view than we're able to take like take a Mm -hmm. lot more time really get in depth with something yeah um yeah so super excited about it it's probably gonna end up entreating me to buy a ps3 which is insane (laughs) um you know i was like why on earth would i buy that there's only two games i want to play on it and now that i know demon souls is exclusive (laughs) to it which is a fucking tragedy like tragedy no let's go with a tragedy travesty like it's both (laughs) it's a tragic Um, travesty yeah it's it's awful but i'm probably (laughs) buying it that's how much i care about this series and it it just got its claws into me like real fucking deep yeah like just you know real quickly and real deeply so (laughs) it's it's funny there's a there's a slow there's a slowly growing but sizable stable of people who I have introduced to Dark Souls, and I am there, and and I'm the person that gets texts from them at all hours, <laughs> saying like, yeah. "What's this thing?" <laughs> yeah, I definitely did that when I was first yeah. playing through. Just like you know, oh shit, my, you know, and like spoilers. Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess yeah. that is a spoiler. You can bleep that out if you want. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I definitely, I definitely did that, and I got my friend Derek into it, which is cool. 
and he's mm-hmm. he's starting it and stuff. And it's the kind of game where you can't help but be evangelical about because it it really changes the way that like I thought about games, yeah. you know, and it just what what's possible with that from a design sense. Like it's just very very well designed, very elegant. Yeah. And uh, I just want to talk about it like <laughs> so enough to necessitate an entire every, show. Every, everything is everything's coming up Dark Souls. It's great. So yeah, we, we will have more concrete programming details. But as Gary said, every two weeks. Um, after the beginning of the year, the plan is to do it on Sundays, um, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's the first and second or the third and fourth uh, Sundays of every month. Who knows? We'll, we'll, or even we'll the figure first that out. and third or second and fourth. Yes, that's what I intended to say. I'm just mm-hmm. I got Dark Souls on the brain, man. The only math I need okay. to know is, you know, how many how many souls do I need to absolve my crimes? You know, that's, yeah. that, that's literally the math. The math portion of my brain is dedicated to that now. Yeah. So uh, one at a time. Yep. Um, <laughs> so is it the the. Uh, yeah, so we're really excited about that. When the other, since this is the last episode that will come out, and this doesn't have the concrete details, um, check the site and check the Facebook group. Yeah, um, so that's where we'll be putting those. Yeah, we're um, gonna we're gonna be blowing up the usual channels with information about this. So why don't we tell them what the usual channels are? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the usual <laughs> channels are uh, Twitter, Facebook, Formspring, YouTube, uh, email, website, um, just about everywhere you are. Are all usual channels? Yeah, we come to meet you. We're very promiscuous in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the form spring, dead, like no, that, various dead drops, <laughs> various dead drops. Yeah, the, the form spring is dead, like more or yeah. less. But I. Yeah, but nobody does that. I would like to like like let's let's say like if you form spring like ask us about anything, we'll probably do like one or two in an extra episode. I would like to see that happen. I want people to you know treat us as a as a source of knowledge and be curious about our lives and opinions. So yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I would like that as well. But if it's not true, that's also fine. I just yeah. I just started it because I saw it was a thing. Yeah, um, I'm slow to the social media thing, as you can probably tell from our like trickle of Twitter updates. Like, but if if you want more, like I update the Facebook thing pretty regularly with you know funny videos and, and nonsense so like definitely check that out um yeah. if you are of the facebook persuasion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh-huh so yeah we mentioned all the all the contact stuff we really appreciate it if you go and you know give us a rating on itunes uh if you're an itunes person um subscribing to us helps in general uh reviewing on itunes all of those things we've been staying in the what's hot area of you know, pretty, pretty quick, um, which in addition to some other shows that are charting and being featured, uh, makes us feel, uh, incredibly good about this venture that we're doing. So thank you so much to everybody who has gone and, uh, done, done their part and everybody who is telling friends and talking about us on Facebook. Uh, that does make a difference, uh, for, for, you know, the success of the show and helping to, uh, expose more people to our particular brand of pod magic and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, can, can keep up the good work people. Yeah. Huge, huge help. Yeah. like absolutely huge help uh, the amazon link helps a yes. whole lot the audible link helps a whole lot mm-hmm. um, the, all of those things are significant yes. so don't think that it's it's insignificant um this is coming out uh, shortly after christmas if you got them amazon gift cards we still get credit if you buy stuff uh so yep. go to uh, duckfeed.tv slash tip jar and use that link uh to help uh pay for the bandwidth on the show and all of those kind of things it, it just you know it makes this hobby into a venture as you as it were mm-hmm. so yeah or at least makes it so we're treading water yes like at least makes it so it costs us no money which i i really like yeah so and you know speaking of venture things so one of the things we were going to do we're going to make shirts we're kind of gauging interest um so we had an email about that if you've just been putting that off and are interested uh definitely email us at the the shirts at duckfeed.tv but we didn't get a lot of action there which is fine um you know not everybody's interested in that um i do have like three prototype shirts Mm-hmm. Um, if you happen to be an XL gentleman, such as myself, um, <laughs> I think they're extra large. They might just be large. Um, but uh, we'll do something with those. 
Yeah. So uh, some kind of contest or something like that, because I don't need three shirts with my own podcast logo <laughs> on the front. That's crazy hubris. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, this is kind of we're kind of putting this out as like a last, you know, last gasp. Like if you're interested yeah. in shirts, yes. let us know, because, uh, we, you know, we need to know or we're not going to go forward and do it, at mm-hmm. least not yet, uh, because it is a, a significant financial investment. Right. Um, magnets are still an option, even though we're not sending out any more until the new year. Yes. Well, um, yeah. When, when you're hearing this, go ahead and put the order in. I'm just away from where I can make them. So, yeah. 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 So the uh, um, and we will come up with other merch ideas and all that jazz. But um, we just like we're doing that based on what you guys want or what you mm-hmm. guys are willing to, to support. Like we don't want to really do it at a cost to us, but we're willing to do it at very little profit if it's mm-hmm. something you're interested in. So please uh, be communicative about yes. that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's all of the admin stuff. Thank you for sticking around. Um, we're really excited about the show and things that are happening in the new year. Um, mm-hmm. And again, all of that is thanks to the fact that people like you listen. So, you know, yeah. again, thank like, you very much. Yeah. So um, until next time, um, when we talk about Parasite Eve, um, you mm-hmm. know, watch out for random assassins and thugs. Yep. And uh, and if you if you have a fireball in your head computer, um, watch out for it. Yeah, just don't go to Dr. Uh, Nick. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Dr. Nick is a terrible person to operate on you. I love the way the doctors operate in, uh, in this, like where they just kind of wave their hands really fast over your guts while you keep yeah. your clothes on. Like, yeah. It's like a stage play. Yeah. It's like they're improv. Improv, <laughs> improv <laughs> doctors. So yeah. watch watch out for improv doctors. Yeah, watch, watch out for yes and. And watch out for improv doctors. <laughs> watch out for object work. <laughs> Unexpected nerve. What an unexpected nerve to have hit. Yeah, I'm fucking furious. Uh, Goddamn Sandlot. God damn it. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs>